1: Welcome, everybody, to We Have Issues, Geek Elite Media show that's about everything literary books, comic books, web comics, manga, and everything else you might be reading. We're here to talk about it. I am your host, Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by my Star Wars sidekick who is constantly at my side, Hosue. Yep,
2: that's me. And oh my god, I finally got all my comics. I was able to get all my comics this week, and it felt so nice.
1: <laughs>
3: and then I
2: got incredibly busy, and I was only able to read half of it, and then half of it later.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it was a big week last week, and it was a big week this week, and with you catching up on two weeks, that's brutal, so...
2: <laughs> yeah, and then I went to go pick up the last week shit on Tuesday, so it was like it was like back-to-back like slaughteries, so I guess it was okay, I had that break, like, in between, like, the busy work I did. I painted the room, or me, I so started to painted a room, and it's been a project. Nice, yeah,
1: definitely. Because this isn't a video podcast, none of you can see Josue has a nice background, so one day if we do record video, you'll see it, so... <laughs> um so we are gonna go straight into our comics uh no big comic news that i can think of um yeah nothing <laughs> so you
2: didn't really drop the ball this week so that's good i
1: mean kind of we could talk oh, about no, it I, they
2: hella did. I mean but it wasn't them then but it was like still like
1: i don't I, yeah it's 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 a mess yeah yeah for the record i'm supporting Robbins. i want to read the robins <laughs> yeah but yeah yeah So anyways, (laughs) we won't talk about that much, guys. (laughs) So uh, we are going to start going over our comics. And as you all know by now, hopefully, uh, we always start not with a bang, but a boom. Boom Boom Studios. And I have one boom book. I think Josue does as well.
2: One damn good boom book.
1: Yeah, it's great. Uh, So this boom book is Proctor Valley Road number two. Uh, so quickly run down the creative team for you written by the team of Grant Morrison and Alex child drawn by Naomi Franquise, colored by a Tamra bond villain and letter by Jim Campbell. Um, so this is the number two. We did talk about the first issue set in the seventies. Um, some girls trying to raise money to go see Janice Joplin. Yeah, And they're involved in the mysterious disappearance of uh, several boys um, that they seem to be innocent of, at least as far as we can tell. Although, who knows what their efforts or their actions have caused. Um, when this book came out, I picked it up the first week. Hosway later picked it up uh, after my review. Yeah. So, I want to kick it over to Hosway and let you start off because you'll kind of review one forward, you know? Okay. So, what did you think?
2: I love that this is, like, just like Paper Girls. I love that this is such mm-hmm. a girl story. Like, it's obviously just centered around, like, the four, best, four girl friends, and they're all best friends, and it's super dope that you get that dynamic. You don't get that enough in comics. It's usually, like, the one female, or maybe the two, if the kid is lucky enough to have that story. But here, it's just focused on them, and then yeah, you get the a little scope on how shitty men can be. Uh, but <laughs> holy shit, all of the—I was not uh, anticipating like such deep into the supernatural element into this, and holy crap! Like the, again, like I love when it just like elevates to to the next level, and then by issue two, you just start seeing all the paranormal stuff. again like it's it's all the the dynamic between the girls especially how issue two opens up like they're they're all being they're being questioned by two detectives and they're all being like really forward on like answering the damn (laughs) questions like being that overbearing cop and you get a little a little bit of each of their personalities they're just super funny especially when you get to the end uh you get like there's like the uh the one black girl and she just knows her rights and i love how just
1: i liked cora i liked oh, cora because yeah. she's all insecure she's like i have a recognized medical condition <laughs> <laughs> i love that that's great so um but yeah it's really cool it's it's an awesome supernatural tale as we said set in the 70s i didn't even think about the paper girls comparison but that's like really spot on in in tone it's not the same yeah. story it's not like we're saying it's exactly like paper girls but if you like paper girls there's a good chance you'd like this like yeah and definitely more cover. of a horror story oh I yeah this fucking cover
3: for the second one, i got this is one. so good oh that's nice oh
1: it's got the landlady <laughs> 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 so yeah totally highly recommend it's really really good uh pick it up like i said especially if you like um if you like a little bit of horror and this is yet another book that Tamra Von Villain's colors really pop. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's just so great. Like, I love it. <laughs> but yeah, that is our one boom book of the week. So we're going to go ahead and move on to our next publisher, which is Aftershock Comics. Uh, we have a couple books for Aftershock this time. Uh, first off, um, I have a book uh, that I've been reading, and I was going to go ahead and talk about real quick uh, Scouts Honor number four. Um, Now, I want to go ahead and give you guys an update. There's only one issue of this left, and we have all four that Josue is going to be able to read. So we will have a full review of the series, most likely when issue five comes out, so we can talk about the trade. Uh, But this week, I was able to read issue four, and holy crap, this shit hit the fan. Oh my god, it's so good. Um, For those, just as a reminder, um, Scout's Honor is... The book that is about uh, post-apocalyptic, where there's an equivalent of the Boy Scouts out there, and they're the ones keeping humanity alive because they're prepared. You know, so um, this one's written by David Popose, who is uh, one of my favorites. We, I talk about him quite often, and um, it's just it just uh, it's so impossible to talk about this without spoiling it.
3: Oh, I'll take the spoilers! Like yeah. Uh, okay.
1: Oh, really? uh, but we have one issue left, and it's just like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> um, also, uh, Luca Casalingueda is the one who does the art for it. Um, let's just say Kit has spent her entire life in a community, and now she's on her own. Okay. And she's in a ruthless wasteland that she was trained to survive in, but she is by herself with nothing. Oh, so okay. it become- it becomes very much a survival story.
2: Fuck yeah! Okay,
1: I'm into it. And it turns into a really cool. And uh, also, the fact that she is a woman is revealed mm-hmm. uh, in this issue, which she's been hiding her gender the entire series. Okay. Um, and she talks about how it's just really interesting because it's it doesn't directly confront the idea of of gender and sex in that she's not like I feel like a man, but she she does uh, wrap her breasts down you know, to, to flatten them. And a she binder, says yeah. when she when she does it, a binding, thank you, that's the word I was looking for. Um, when she says when she does it, she feels right. But it's because she always wanted to be a scout, and scout can only be men, but then it's kind of like, is that, does she feel like, like, they don't really address it directly. Oh, yeah, no. And, and I don't think it was done to avoid the subject so much as, like, that really isn't important in this world. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so, uh, but it's really, really well done. And she makes a really interesting choice that I'm very very excited to see how oh, this nice. goes forward. So yeah, uh, definitely catch up, and then when issue five comes out, pick up the trade. It's excellent. So, uh, so that's Scout's Honor number four. The other book we got, I think we both got it, Fuck, which was yeah. Phantom of the S- uh, Phantom on the Scan. Excuse me. And I just realized
2: uh, I got a crease on my corner.
1: So the- ah, boo. Um.
2: But I was <laughs> back and I was like, oh, Shit.
1: As a puppy, we got a puppy on on screen, guys. <laughs> uh, so That's I'll run okay. through the creative team. That's okay. I'll run through the creative team. Written by Colin Bunn, who is excellent. Um, drawn by Mark Torres and lettered by Dave Sharp. Now, Sway, I'm going to ask you a question, and I think yeah. I know the answer, unfortunately. Did you notice that there's a QR code on the inside of the cover?
2: <laughs> Did I fuck yeah, dude. It okay, was awesome. good.
1: Uh so inside this is a QR code to listen to an original song yeah. composed by the artist. It's actually so
2: a good tone to the fucking to the comic.
1: Awesome, that's really cool. And I hope it keeps a, a
2: bit too so it's like it, it lingers it, it stays for a while. It, it's, it's cool. Fucking more comics should fucking do this.
1: That's a really cool idea. I love it so. I mean if you have somebody with musical talent also making the comic it helps, you know. Mm-hmm. So. So um Phantom on the scan. Um, how do we put this something happens okay so this is another one i don't want to give too much away but um our main character is psychic of some sort and uh he has a therapist that he sees and um it, it's a lot about the struggle of having this and um his therapist is just like you know this it, this is normal and he's just trying to talk to him and he basically is able to get the therapist to reveal that there are other people like him that have similar powers.
3: Yeah, goddamn, <laughs> damn was so cool.
1: <laughs> he calls them all together to meet and kind of discuss, I think we're all in danger. Something's basically hunting us. And then something happens to one of the people. I know, I know this is really vague, guys, but but I'll, it's really, really good. I'll,
2: I'll go into some detail about going, without going to uh, yeah. two of the spoilers. So yeah, the psychic ability and like as Keith said, there's a uh, there are others. This all got triggered by Haley's comment, which is like the weird triggering factor. There's like an opens up with the comment, and then mm-hmm. later on we find this out. But we don't know details why why that was a trigger. It's just it that was the you only know, occurrence. Um, the next bit, like there is a supernatural take on this. I fucking love like the way the supernatural like part looks. Like what he talks to like the fact let's, that they like. Let's
1: a- actually talk about that because that's the first half of the book. I think that's yeah. safe. Um, he's speaking with a spirit. Yeah, but which to me, which is it, a young boy. Yeah,
2: to me, this is like it really hooked me because this is where the, the visuals really came into play. I love that they're just like, yeah, he's ta- he's talking to a ghost, but instead of just like any other ghost, shadowy figure, transparent figure, I love that it's like a like a a fingerprint, like shape. Yeah.
1: So it looks th- like the artist drew it, and then probably. Smeared their fingerprint like to that. give it that texture,
2: and it's really cool. It makes you think, like, oh, that's like your what, like your your, earth, your 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 footprint on this earth, or like that—that that, that, yeah. that would be your lingering impression. Would be that that print of yourself, and I, I just thought that was really fucking cool. Like, I really like yeah. book for that.
1: Awesome visual. Uh, another great thing is the info pages at the back of this are really interesting. Oh yeah, there's like classified charts of events and everything that's going on. It really gives you like a. Some interesting stuff. So, and yeah, I, had
2: a, I haven't had a Colin Bunn book in a while since shit since his Venom uh, book got canceled. Yeah, it was right after Rick Remender, then he took over for him, and then it didn't even get a fucking actual ending. It was just like literally in the middle of an arc. He was fighting Crossbones, and then it got revamped into like when uh, he when went to space.
1: Right. Yeah, uh, it's really good though. Yeah, no, definitely.
2: Phantom uh, on the scan is super awesome. Especially because the stuff that we mm-hmm. don't want to spoil is like the like the for sure the what the fuck like actors moments for the book. Yeah. We were just talking about like the stuff that was actually impre- like the impression of the book, and then the good stuff is definitely later.
1: Yeah, definitely. All right, so next I want to kick it over to Josue. He's going to tell us about a release from a subsection of Scout Comics, and the book is called Black Friday. So Josue, feel free to tell us about it whenever you're ready.
2: Uh, Black Friday is ridiculous. It's <laughs> I, I like the art style. The art style reminds me of... God, I don't want to say... It, okay, it reminds me of this, this one particular children's book. Do you ever read this uh, this book where, like, uh, the kids are, like, being super fucking mean to their teacher, so she leaves, and then, like, there's, like, a mean substitute, like, witchy lady, and then but it turns out it was, like, a teacher all along, but she just, like, sets, sets, sets the kids straight. It kind of reminds me of that. It's, like... Hmm. It's very different, but I really yeah. like it. So, anyway, let's go Black Friday. It's, uh, the creative team is written, and the colors are by John Clark, and the illustrations are by Travis Williamson, lettering by April Brown. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, right around Black Friday, and before the stores can really open, these, uh, these two employees find a blood stain on the floor, and it kind of just revolves around that. They're just kind of like, hey, we should do something about this, we should clean this up. But then, like, the, the friend, she's just like, no, wait, we should kind of, like, she just, like, into, like her own supernatural shit and she wants to do like her own investigation but the guy's like we should just probably come this up, let's just get back to work let's just avoid this shit you know and the whole time she's just like no just just wait and then of course they get caught by the by the manager and he's just like why y'all just like standing around not working he'd be like dude the asshole fucking boss and then he then the fourth person comes in and he's like the, the actual cleaner and as they're really trying to investigate this stuff, like, then, like, the creep factor starts to sink in on the on the first good dude who's trying to just, like, clean it up. These are thinking, like, oh, I wonder what's, what would cause this blood stain? What if there's a person still under there? Holy shit. And then by the kid, by the toy section, it's like, shit, what if there's a kid down there? And then, uh, so they finally move the boxes around, and it is kind of a hole, and they see a body, oh, it's been, like, forever. But thank God it hasn't smelled, which, is, like, the weird part and I notice past that person that there's another person. And then you're just like, what the fuck? And it, it opens into this, like, hole to hell, basically. Is it like the only way they can describe yeah. it? So, yeah, the whole time it's just, like, basically just just basic dialogue. Just trying to, like, the plot. Like, nothing's moving forward up until, like, the, so that the creep factor can sink in. And at the end you're just like, wait, what the fuck's going on here? And then what's going on with Black Friday? And then, of course, the first body, the eyes start to move uh mm-hmm. so yeah this is literally the first one um i have no idea what's what's going to happen to this it's just it's just starting out with the first issue uh but yeah, nothing really we it's just like setting this the store pun intended uh and the tone of it all it's really cool nice
1: yeah the art's unique it's definitely unique it reminds yeah, me of something but i'm not placing it
2: mm-hmm. like
1: maybe fell fell was maybe great Fel? okay yeah but i'll try
2: find another it's just like it's just definitely random like okay, it's another shot of different people
1: yeah not felden <laughs> like it's interesting though yeah definitely yeah. so
2: awesome all right let's
1: move on to another indie publisher uh ablaze comics yes we have eros and psyche number two um written and drawn by maria lovett and lettering by seda timofonte um i didn't think there was going to be dialogue in this issue <laughs> <as I was laughs>
2: for reading a second it. right yeah
1: it's just very beautiful and you keep turning pages and it takes four page turns to get to actually dialogue. Mm -hmm. But this is the story about the two young girls in some kind of strange boarding school of some sort. What's going on? We're we don't know yet. We're getting little hints. It's very witchy, uh, which is interesting. I'm curious to see where that goes. Uh, But it's obviously a love story between these two women, two, two young women, I should say. And it's just, it's just, beautiful to look at it's just a beautiful series um, and like I said we don't get too much of the story uh, but we do get some shocking moments including one of their uh, one of their student one of the fellow students takes her own life at one point uh, we we believe at least because with this kind of book you don't know <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah I mean
2: it's, more questions definitely got raised in this one Thank God there was more dialogue to kind of allude to that but there was, it's, it was really all that just alluding to that there's definitely more stuff to be explained instead of just flat out just explaining some stuff while having your mind wander elsewhere what, what could happen yeah because did you ever did you feel the any friction between the two after a while like when they didn't start agreeing with each other
1: yeah a little bit like in the part where they're sitting there and she asks you know to, uh, if she could borrow some mangrove root
2: yeah Definitely that scene, and they started to really have, like, their own take on, on the girl, um, that committed suicide. They started yeah. having, like, their own, their own different take, and it's just like, oh, well, holy shit. Like, again, like, exploring such a heavy topic here. Uh, but then, of course, like, then this friction happens between the two, and it wasn't as perfect as it was in the beginning of the issue. Um, uh, but it's just, but then, like, how they both kind of deal with it, how they both, like, kind of, like, uh, their own justifications, like, over the matter, or then even in the end, it's just like, fuck, it's just interesting, like, you know, like, I like, like the end, in, in the end, it it's just like, they didn't really set their own like closure there. They were just like, fine, just like take the, take the root and just like, we'll, we'll continue to almost like deal with this later, you know? Yeah. And then we get like that, and then we get this ending with this cliffhanger where there's definitely more to, to a little here on like why there's this sense of betrayal.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. It's Especially interesting. for
2: what she's doing too. Is like, was, I think it's supposed to be like over the fact that it's, it's an all girls school. And yeah. it's like, again, like I think that is also like, like confiding into like this other person to, to, to find them,
1: you know? Yeah. And I, like I said, with the mangrove root and stuff, I'm like, there's definitely something I would say supernatural. Uh, oh, for sure. I, I would, I would almost go as far as to say pagan, like to, cl- to like classify it as something of a witch nature, you oh, know what God. I mean? Like, so it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, did, did you like the craft? Did you just wish it was about two mm-hmm. girls that wanted to love each other? Then read this book. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and we are going to go ahead and move on to one of the big ones, one of the big indie publishers out there. We always have books from them, of course. That is Image comic yeah. books. We have three books from Image this week, and I'm going to start with Jose
2: Sway. He has a book that I did not pick
1: up because I knew he would.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, the book is called Home, issue number one, and it's by yeah writers Julio Anton, artist is uh, Anna Weischeck. And colors Brian Valenza lettering is Hassan Osme Ohio oh I love him yeah uh, so that yeah. wasn't
1: a joke I actually do love
0: him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, again another very heavy book on another very heavy book on topics on the topics of exploring it's about a family from Guatemala who sets out their journey to seek asylum in the US uh, somewhere between uh Call it from because it would take a long time to get up here. Somewhere between uh, sub- late September, October of 2016, and they got here right after I don't know December 2016. Shit happened between there, and it wasn't happy, and it wasn't a good take when they actually got up here when they were trying to do it legit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Except for this one, starts having some powers. So was, at least it has like a, a kind of a light tone into this book. It's kind to really heavy to fucking get into it because. It does quote a lot of real stuff that happened, and then it just shoves it in your face on how shitty times really were. Especially when they start showing you like sentence like in icebox, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's really fucked up. Um, it, yeah, and then start, it goes into it, it's just like the mom and the kid, so you can only imagine what happened after that part. And based on real real world uh, stuff that happened, it's really it's just uh, it's it's not even like drawn gruesome; it's actually drawn really well, where you can just like have like mm-hmm. I don't see like a good time into it but at least it'll be an, ease, an easy time to go through the story honestly think God for it like, I think that's what really helps out the story too um, I'm not saying that's not the story like that it doesn't have to be told but shit I, I think I just need to explore it more just to see it, realize I just I've I just been indifferent over like the whole and the powers aspect into the story just to, to see that uh, to make it better to sell it to see like how it's gonna relate into it or how it'll make it better when it's already just such a heavy topic to explore so yeah i'll still see it through just see like just see where it goes but like, oh yeah we'll see it's so it's home nice
1: yeah definitely an important topic you know yeah and being especially where we're from yeah in, exactly <laughs> so it's something we're we're pretty aware of so mm-hmm. yeah um next up we got two books in image and i want to start with carmen number two um Story and art by uh, Gillum March, coloring by Tony Lopez, and translation by Dan Christensen. Um, you guys might remember this one as the one where the naked girl tried to kill herself and is flying through the city <laughs> that we reviewed last time. Um, this this book, I don't know what it is about this book, but it's got the emotional hooks in me. Pretty deep. Like I'm really enjoying this book. Um, I love this character. I I love her little like again. This is another one I didn't think there was gonna be dialogue for a while, because um, we go a long time with just her flying around the city, seeing things, and the only thing she says is "wow" for five pages. <laughs> but just her little eccentricities, her little mannerisms, her face, like her shocked face. Like I just I really relate to this character, and I really like was like oh I really like this character. I like what's going on here. And she's flying around. And meanwhile, the character that we believe could be death meets with another person on a plane this time. And uh, I think we're seeing what the death should be. Because basically, this guy presumably dies. And then they fly into a point of light. And then he, he draws, joins us big stream of other people flying which i believe is them flying to death you know they're they're all dead but our main character isn't like joining them she's flying around doing her own thing and she deals with a lot of the issues she was dealing with in in her real life uh her best friend slash boyfriend boy toy whatever you want to call it um him cheating on her when she was the one he was cheating on somebody else with anyways it's like it's really really interesting. And yeah, it's just it's just a really gorgeous book, and the scenery like around the the town they're in, it's just like it's beautiful, and oh, I just I just love it. I, what, what about you, Sway? Because I could just go on just saying how much I love this book. But what what do you think so far?
2: Um, again, another very heavy book. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, but this is heavy was definitely more on purpose. Um, the other one, I was not expecting it to just be so on the nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one still, like, again, like, the first couple of pages were just, like, wow, like, William, um, really went all out, like, making these streets come to life, really. Um, but yeah, and, like, her really kind of scoping it out, cause, like, the first issue really was, I went back and read it, and at first, I was, like, I, I really need to read that, I, I needed like, get, to get that second mm-hmm. issue in to be 100% about this book, because it's almost, uh, even though I, I would trust, like, uh, William March, but, it all uh, it was almost, like, kind of weird on how it was just like how she just like stayed naked instead of felt like kind of covering herself and being like very unsure even though we, she mm-hmm. knew that we knew that nobody could see her but as like, as like readers were the ones obviously seeing her and she just felt like so uncomfortable but now being now comfortable being with dad like now we can start re- related going into her her own story into her own internal struggles and it's like being naked have nothing to do with it because she's just like whatever about it now yeah. it was just like kind of like I felt like, get the first issue, I, I started feeling uncomfortable based on how she was feeling uncomfortable. But again, I guess it goes to the artist. And then this one, again, it starts going heavy, and I fucking love how Carmen just comes in and kind of such a straight. Or a, to, to a degree, or to, to a, I used to to a degree where it's, um, because she you got she everything she wanted being invisible and being able to fly. Uh, but now it's just almost like too much being a kind of lonesome, and then, like, boom, the, 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 the clipping. Right? It's on um,
1: yeah one thing i really like about the art is how realistic her body is yeah um she's still a very attractive fit woman don't get me wrong but she's her body's not perfect which is great in comics that's 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 body diversity in comics right there but especially the cliffhanger at the end where she's falling the way they did her breasts Mm -hmm. like uh that's what it would look like. Like it's not—they're yeah. not, not going to be perfectly little per press. They're going to—they're going to shift in mid air. They're going to be weighted like that. So I just really, really enjoy the way they draw the body. Um,
2: but you're right. Expressions like go back to that page. And, like the first panel, Carmen's like looking down face, and then the pa- two panels below that, it's
1: like the the girls like shocked face. Like the faces are captured so well. Yeah, the facial expressions are really well done to the point that I wonder if they use models. Yeah, you know, so. But no, I re- really enjoyed this. I cannot wait to see what's coming.
2: Yeah, and I'm just curious, especially kind of like, like that little countdown that Carmen gave us at the end of the first issue. Where mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's like a weird, there's like a weird one liner she gives, like where something about Carmen figure doesn't know. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, mm-hmm. Real quick, before we move on, I have to give a shout out. Um, I have a Starbucks <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, I got a London Fog latte. Uh, so, Uh-oh. quick story. Yes. Quick story: There is a Starbucks I can see from my front door of my house now, <laughs> and if anyone knows me, that is the most dangerous thing possible. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but they did. The, uh, I ordered a London Fog latte. The guy had no idea what I was talking about because they opened today, and he's never done it before. And then he made the best London Fog latte I've ever had. So, shout out to Starbucks. <laughs> so, anyways, I didn't
2: did go to that that, that business and I know what a London
1: Fog is. I think I think he just didn't know it was called London Fog. I thought he was just thought it was an English breakfast, you know, <laughs> latte with... <laughs> I know, but he didn't know the terminology. <laughs> no. It's um, good thing I didn't order a medicine ball.
2: Hey, since we're Sorry. on Gigglyt now, uh, Media, uh, Stephen Clark turned me on into like a great fucking drink. And it's uh, the pink drink, and there with six scoops of matcha. And, wow. and this is whole other fucking thing, dude. It's super good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. And, I, and for the record out there, I wish it was an indie... Tea shop guys, I would go to an indie tea shop if there was one, Dude, I and I still do. Long. It's just a little further away. So
2: I miss Cartel and Tempe so fucking bad.
1: I miss um, uh, they're, Teasers they're in they're Fresno. Totties.
2: They're toddies and they're, they're, they're <laughs> dirty whores. They're dirty whores. <laughs>
1: now, when, when I lived in Fresno, they had that we had a place called Teasers and it was super hipster. And that's the first place I ever had a London fog, it was the most delicious thing I ever okay. tasted. So yeah, miss that place, but yeah. Don't miss the girl I live with. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> homesick Pilots, number five, right Bug in the middle of the image. Yes. <laughs> that was our brief little intermission. Um, homesick pirate, uh, Pilots, number five, Pirates. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Spinoff idea, guys. Anyways, written by Dan Waters. I think the first of two books for Dan Waters? In a row we're going to have, in fact. Um, drawn by Casper Wingard. Lettered by Aditya Bittekar. Oh, man. This book was awesome. I- I didn't see this coming.
2: Dude, this book is fucking awesome.
1: <laughs> this book took a turn. So you guys might remember this as the Haunted House book. <laughs> but the girl who has been recruited to get back all the ghosts. And the main house where are like, this is a cool concept. We're going to see this through. She's going to have to hunt down all these ghosts. That's going to be the run of the series. No, <laughs> probably not. So, it's about the
2: punks. And it's like, oh
1: yeah, and it's the one that also gives us random punk commentary, which we love. Um so we find out that the VHS demon is working with what we figure is a government program <laughs> <laughs> and they hunt down other demons or ghosts or whatever. Right. And we get a couple really cool moments here, including the return of Meg, yes. which I was so excited because I really liked Meg and I was like, it sucks. She died. That doesn't really make sense to me. I liked her. So, Meg is the uh, the girl from the Nuclear Bastards band. And uh, so she survived. So uh, we're really excited about that. Uh, basically. Yeah. Um, Except she's the v- red.
2: She can't get the red off.
1: Yeah, she's like covered in blood. And she's like, it's not mine. Like, it's theirs and stuff. So um, meanwhile, back, our main character is like talking to the house and all the ghosts in the house, like we need to work together. And they all give her her power and she's able to turn the house (laughs) into a Mecca. (laughs) Yeah. She basically, the the house builds legs and stands up and this becomes a kaiju fight. (laughs) (laughs) And she goes down and she's fighting the big VHS demon ghost, whatever. And we don't know exactly what that's supposed to mean. And they're fighting, and the end. The only thing she uh, Amy can do is basically sacri- presumably sacrifice herself and the house and all the ghosts to destroy the VHS ghost. But at this point, we're not sure if the VHS VHS ghost is a bad guy or not. Presumably, they're a good guy because they're helping them. It's it's just it just took such a hard twist that Mienosway are just whiplashed guys like. <laughs> Uh, And then we see Meg and um, who was it just Meg? And um, what's his name? What's his name? Wasn't there the the other guy? Um, Oh my God. I forgot his name. The the rock dude. The one that was covered in rock last time. Buzz. Buzz. Yeah. We didn't see Buzz. Buzz was in the house with, with Amy. So, um, but we see them and they're basically taken to this, nevada test site and they're like yeah general she's finally ready and said we let her name it by the way it only seemed fair if she's gonna pilot it and mm-hmm. then there is meg looking badass first of all yeah uh it says she called it the nuclear bastard america's first walking ghost-powered weapon yes what a fucking great twist
2: it's all of my so shit, good, dude. Guys. I love Ghost Powers and it doesn't get explored enough. And this is all that we've been letting up to this. <laughs> awesome.
1: Yeah, it's fucking great, dude. Um, Quick heads up, the first trade will be out in May 2021, which yes. is 1-5, through five, and the new arc is going to start in June, so we're going to have a couple months where we're not going to be reviewing. Uh, but w- it, when it comes back, we will review this, I promise you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's awesome. so good. It's just really fucking good, guys. Like, I, I blows me away how much I really like this. And just such a great twist. Now, my my theory is, going forward, because yeah. the book is still called Homesick Pilots. Yeah. I don't think we've seen the last of Buzz Amy.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. I don't think so.
1: Yeah. Presumably, they sacrificed themselves. But I'm thinking, mm, I, I think we're going to see them again. Might, might
2: have been just destroy the house.
1: What if they're ghosts now?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: We'll see. So Yeah. <laughs> excellent, excellent book. Alright. Now we're gonna move on to one of our favorite indie publishers out there. That is a Vault Comic Books. We have two Vault books. We both got them because we both get every Vault book we can. We will start with the picture of everything else. Number three. Uh second book in a row written by Dan Waters. Yes. Um Art and Color by kishore Mohan and Letter by Aditya Pedakar as well. Was was Aditya Did Homesick Pons? yeah that's funny okay oh, yeah. <laughs> um so this is the one that we've talked about in the past where it's the person that drew the picture of dorian gray what if they drew pictures of other things that had the same power and this is the one where the twist of it comes into play yeah. and where we start getting the darkness and the what the fuck as i would like to put it <laughs> so um <sighs> okay so how do we even start? Um, I know it's it's just so good. So basically, um, we meet up with the artist uh, Marcel. I believe his name was the, Marcel's the main character. meets up with the artist who drew it, and it's a uh, Basil or Basil, depending on how you guys pronounce it. And he, they go outside, and there's Paris, but with a big red splotch in the air. And you're like, okay, that's weird. And so basically you find out he's painted Paris and he drew this red splotch just to prove a point, basically. Like, look what I can do. And it's a lot of dialogue. and It's a lot of them talking about what is right, you know. Um, and they talk about, like, really philosophical things. Like, he drew Paris, like, as calm. So no one's panicking that there's a big splotch of paint in the air because they're not panicking in the paint and painting. And that's, that's even more, like, dread. Like, I'm like, oh, God, he can control everything, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we get some more backstory for Basil and his interactions with Dorian Gray, which is really great. Um, But in the end, (laughs) uh, in the end, we find out that basically they push two women off the top of a tower and they land perfectly safe. And they're like, oh, we just fell. This is fine. And it's because in the painting, no one's dying. So Paris is locked in, you know, forever Paris, and no one can die. And it's just this dread creeping into my soul the more I read this book. It's just so fucking good. And it has to be destroyed at some point,
2: right? Right. So I think it's all going to come crashing down. I mean, just like doing Gray, right? If you look at his painting, and mm-hmm. it will just dissolves whether there's way or the, the, the picture is perfect yeah it's gonna have the same effect because honestly i love the middle mm-hmm. bit when, when we finally get to like okay cool let's talk about the actual history what happened like the day after like the, the portrait of dorian gray and i love love like, you get to meet with them mm-hmm. dorian was still very much the bad person i like that we get into uh basil's uh like inner psyche and realize like oh he's not really the monster like I was like, then he was really—he literally regretted doing that. I was like, "Oh shit, I, I fucked up." And then, of course, like, shit. I mean, I won't, I'll, I'll, I'll skip over a little bit there, bro, because shit happens to him as well. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to then realize, oh shit, I can do something about this or do something with this. And yeah, fucking it when, they, when their best friend is like has like the 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 mask and just like pushes the ladies like that. Shit was so creepy. It reminded me of mm-hmm. uh, uh Bioshock how they all had like those, like years of shit
3: yeah definitely but yeah once this
2: goes this all has to come back right like those two ladies are just gonna go splat like right where they're standing
1: yeah but like if you just destroy it you're gonna destroy paris and i started being like wasn't there a great fire in paris around this time and i was like trying to remember like i was trying to remember like things details like that like was there a big disaster with, with a line yeah yeah so i was like oh man like it's it's interesting it's yeah. really really good yeah,
2: but it was definitely cool, a the old guy is like yo could you see it was like oh yeah yeah let's get a <laughs> trick of the eye or
1: something and it's like what <laughs> yeah uh for a series that i think some people criticize for starting a little slowly mm-hmm. and i think it's because it's, it's wordy is what yeah. it is it's a lot of dialogue and it's a lot of setup but i think it paid off very well in this issue i think we're well on our way to an awesome arc so yeah. definitely worth a pickup if you haven't yet already speaking of which The Autumnal, number six. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Written by Daniel Kraus, drawn by Christian, colored by Jason Wardy, letter by Jim Campbell. Um, I love this book more and more and more. I'm glad you do. Like, it's just so I'm, fucking I'm good.
2: Be, like, damn, it just looks so awesome.
1: Yeah. Uh, basically. Okay, so for those of you who don't remember, this is the one that we described, kind of Joe Hill-like, where um, this young woman who is uh, who inherited her mother's house is in this small town where they seem to worship trees, kind of, and they're always really careful to rake up all the leaves and things like that, and yeah, it's just yeah it's eerie as fuck. <laughs> it's it's. i don't like i don't like stuff like this oh. so when it when it's done well i love it because i'm not i'm not immersed in it it's not something i absorb all the time you know what i mean like most and again i always bring it back to stephen king because he's kind of the master of this building dread you know what i mean i don't like most stephen king stuff and i know i'm in the minor minority for a lot of people and stuff and the stuff I do like of his is the very weird stuff that's nothing like his normal stuff. But this is that genre, but done so fucking well. Like, I, I'm i prepared six issues in to say, I like this more than any of Stephen King's stuff that is like this. Oh, no shit. Fuck yeah. It's like, I can't think. I mean, because I, I would compare it to, like, Pet Cemetery or Cujo or, you know, like one of those. And I'm like, I like this better than all of those. Like,. <laughs> Like uh, the character is just so much more interesting and well told. She's really modern, which is great. I love the you know, character. I
2: what you're saying, she, she's definitely super outspoken uh, as a Stephen King character would be.
1: Yeah, yeah, and just just the building of the dread and like the let's um, you know like the ridiculousness of like well, yeah. there's a leaf on the ground and she hits it with a hammer. <laughs> you know, like that's literally like like in Stephen King, like you like. What's the one with the trucks? Maximum overdrive?
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the kind of thing you're like, what's that truck doing? And everybody's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, it's the kind of thing like that. And it's just like, I just love Kat. She's great. I love the boyfriend. Oh, okay. I'm very worried about him. <laughs>
2: Please, nothing happened to him. Gonna...
1: And just the way everything is slowly being revealed.
2: Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I love this type of story being told this way, just like as, as a slow pacing, giving, giving it that eerie vibe. But then we get to the ending and you're just like that this is the kind of shit I, I fucking eat of, like, god you know, I was talking to you after I read this, and it was just like there's two fan footage films like I really love to hate. Or, or I just hate to love, either or. And it's like I love I love the movie of A Devil Inside, but I hate I hate its ending. But I and then I hate The Last Exorcism, but I really fucking love that ending so much. And this is like geared towards like the middle of both. I fucking love the story, but then it, it's giving it's gonna give me like that like sweet ending I really like with
1: like that ritual mm-hmm. bit. Uh yeah, no, I, I'm all about this book. And one thing I really appreciate is so you got like small towns with their folktales, you know? Mm-hmm. And one thing I really like is when the folk tale it like that everybody remembers isn't quite accurate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the twist in this one, guys. That's one of the main twists, is like this whole five issues she's been trying to figure out what's what's going on and she found out a version of it but it's not the truth it's not the full truth and then when you find out the truth it takes a whole hard left turn <laughs> and, and it's just like really great and like uh, i love that bit i always love it. and i will say like i do like small town folktale horror i guess would oh, would one yeah. thing i would say so i think that's that that's one genre of horror i do like so yeah it's, it's um, that,
2: like, like the part where she brings out the like that old fairy tale song, because fairy tales used to be, or like, or like nursery rhymes, they like, used to have like yeah. really dark tones or lines or implications. And then throughout the time, it's less just like make like, it a little more kiddie. And I love yeah. what, where you get both sets of texts, and just like one scribbled out for like the modern age, but then the original text like, oh, fuck, this was more of a, like a ritual saying instead.
1: Yeah, definitely. I would say this is probably my favorite horror book on the market right now. But, yeah. Yeah, I can't think of one I like more. I like more. It's just great. So pick it up, guys. Uh, this is issue six, so we might get a trade at this point. A better. I don't know how much longer. I don't know how much longer it's going to go.
2: I know. I mean, it has it like Seems like like
1: kind of climactic. Maybe seven issues. I mean,
2: maybe like seven.
1: Yeah, and then we'd get a trade then. But pick it up. It's it's absolutely great, and just the art's great. The covers are great. If you see it in the in your local comic book store, pick it up. It's worth it, and. I expect big things from Vault Nightfall after this one, so. Yeah. All right, we're going to shift gears, and we're going to talk about another publisher that doesn't come up super too often for us, only when there's certain uh, series, and that is IDW. Um, the main reason, the main house way usually come back to IDW, is the reason we're going to talk about IDW right now, which is Kanto and the City of Giants. This is the third series for Kanto, fourth if you include the one-shot, and once again, written by David Boer. The art is by Sebastian Perez, though, not by Drew, but Drew does get the, uh, Drew Zucker does get the created by um, tag on it letter by and world. Um, this starts a new arc for our favorite clockwork hero. And I will say, I'm, I'm making sure I mean this before I say it. <laughs> I think this is already my favorite arc.
2: No shit, really.
1: I love the giants first of all. Oh yeah, and then I just I think this is set up very well. I I think this is only going to be a three three issue series too. Yeah, and I really like the way it's set up. It's very mythological. Mm -hmm. Uh, As somebody who reads a lot of mythology, like I do, especially. Uh, Scandinavian mythology, your Norse, your Finnish, your Danish, you know, things like that. This feels very much like that, and I really enjoy that. Um, so you have your heroes, and they come upon somebody in need, and it's these two giants, and they're buried up to their necks, and there's bugs attacking them. Well, the good guys help them, and then the giants are like, we will assist you, but this, and then, so you have, you know, we have to do this for them, and then it. it a lot of mythology is making is the hero's journey making allies along the way while earning their trust by doing something for them. That's just mythology, especially Finnish mythology, which I'm kind of, kind of really big into cause I am Finnish. Um, a lot of it is like you meet a guy and he needs help with something. You help him and then he goes with you. And he has a specific skill that when you get to the final boss, it's kind of like the end of the first Harry Potter book, actually, now that I think yep. about it where it's like, and, there, and my my joke with Finnish culture is there's always one guy that's his ability is he can eat a lot. And so at the end there's like a mount, like a mount of steaks blocking their way. He's like, let me pop my knuckles. I got this one, guys. Like, And so that's, it kind of gives me that feel. So anyways, enough of a rant there, basically. Kanto um, goes forward and basically says, this witch can give these giants new legs because their legs were taken from them. Tells the king and queen of the giants and they're like, very well you can you can do this but you have to do this mission for us which is to go into uh the labyrinth and um slay the beast named pharaoh and it's uh it's a labyrinth no giant can enter and i'm pretty sure it's because it's too small yeah. which is funny <laughs> um so it's Kanto and the witch teaming up to do this which is cool i dig this i like the, i like the dynamic between oh, the two very
3: different dynamic. yeah
1: yeah and um yeah i just i really like where it's going i think the fact that it is three issues i think it's going to be perfect for this story i think it's very self-contained i like that the different volumes of kanto feel like chapters of a of a story you know what i mean like yeah like like i'm reading like an old school i mean we always compare it to wizard of oz but it feels like i'm reading wizard of oz you know what i mean like and it's like and this is when they go to this land and this is what happens you know like I also love the bit where the giants are like, you can take any weapon out of the armory. And the witch oh. is like, "Nah, he's good. And he's like, like, what? And he's like, why wouldn't you let me take it? He's like, what What weapon for a giant would you be able to use? <laughs> like, oh, like, that's pretty funny, actually. So, But yeah, I'm really, really digging it. Uh, very well done. And it's it's definitely got me hooked pretty hard. Uh, what'd you think? Uh, I love
2: the Canter's Bag. It's definitely such a beloved book. Uh, yeah, and it's like how, I love how, like, even for the first one and the sequel, how it's always been like a story about the stories. And I do know how this one just straight up opens with, uh, the witch going, like, you know what a limerick is? And like, I love how we just kind of like, just like exploring a little yeah. about that, as, like, as a play on words, into going into this is really good. Um, mm. but yeah, I, I, love the dynamic, the dynamic shift with, with the witch. It should be good, especially how, how much cancer just hates being like, I feel like he just hates feeling that, that self doubt. It's like what I've, mm-hmm. what I've learned from Kant the, the, is how what he hates about himself and this witch is just going to poke at that butt. And it's
3: just gonna
2: <laughs> And man, like, this could be, I mean, this is definitely starting out really strong. The last one, the, the sequel, like, fucking A, like, that one just actually legit made me cry on one of them when one <laughs> of them had to go. And it's like, fuck. And that was, we
1: don't <laughs> talk about that.
2: <laughs> and that was only, what, the second or third issue in, and it's like, damn, like, good job, David. So, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm ready for some work in, now.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm excited. So um, now we're not going to shift quite out of IDW. Uh, my next book to review is half published by IDW, half by DC. So this will transition us over to DC pretty nicely. Houseway picked this up, but did not read it yet.
2: I do have the and, zero issue. And I just, I, but I've been waiting for this to start. So I, and then also, I was supposed to. I was still waiting on reading Lock and Key, which I already did, so I can actually go back to that zero issue into this one.
1: Gotcha. So this book is The Sandman Universe and Lock and Keys Crossover. Uh, so it's written by Joe Hill, art by Gabriel Rodriguez, colored by Jay Photos, and letters by Sean Lee. Of course, Sandman's created by Neil Gaiman, Sam Keith, and Mike Dringenberg. So um, this is really cool. If you're a Sandman fan, it's gonna mm, If you've been a Sandman fan from the beginning, or you're or I should say if you like the beginning of Sandman. If okay. you're a fan of the beginning, this is going to be great for you.
2: I can literally have him like, right there next to each other. Like, the omnibus with the uh, one piece here behind me. Yeah.
1: Um, it takes place a long time ago. Okay, cool. Um, it takes place, I want to say... Yeah, it was 1927. Okay. Okay. And one of the... One of the um, members of the Locke family, a woman, travels to England in the 1920s. Okay. So, And she goes to Witchcross, England, knocks on the door of a big stately manor, and this kid answers the door with his mask on. What the fuck the hell? (laughs) And he's like, am I dreaming you? And she's like, what are you wearing? He's like, I have better dreams when I wear it. And she's basically like, I'm here to talk to your father.
2: You said this was 1920s? When he yes. Got, he got captured in the beginning of like the 19th century. So again, yes, so he I'm, did. Like, I'm trying to piece it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, he did. So she goes upstairs to talk to the boy's father. And yes, it's the man that captured the Sandman. Oh, get
3: the fuck out. Cool.
1: So he's basically, she's basically like, I know you have a greater power down in your basement. I need to talk to him. And he's like, Why would I do that? You gotta give me something in return. And she gives him the matchstick key, which is the key that can light things on fire by yeah. touching it to him. So that's his payment to let her go talk to Dream. Oh shit. They go downstairs and he says, Cross that line, you know. Don't cross this line, it's bad. And then we get Oh man. Yep. The big reveal of Dream yeah. and I fucking love Dream so much, dude.
2: Okay, I'm really excited how this how this pieces it together.
1: Yeah. And they talk and um or no, he doesn't talk to her. But she, she's just like I, I, I'm asking you for help. How, how, to, what, can, what can I get help for? You know, I'm trying to help my father. He's dying, etc. And he basically refuses to talk. And she, she yells at the dude. She's like, "You fucking cheat." He's useless. He's like, "Hey, you want to talk to him? I didn't guarantee he'd respond to you." Yeah, I
2: was, I was gonna say like he never actually talked that whole thing.
1: Burgess, Burgess, Reginald Burgess. That's his name. It just popped <laughs> in my head. Okay, so that was bothering me. Um But as she was leaving, Sandman takes some sand and smears the, the the cage. Yeah. And he draws his mask in the sand over his own face. Oh shit. Okay. So, I'm not going to go much further into the plot, but yeah. long story short, she takes the mask from the kid. <laughs> okay, cool. Oh, so man. now we ha- we have the magic of lock and key with the dreaming mask and after that, I'm not going to tell you anything that happens.
2: No, I'm definitely going to jump in. I need to go play with that zero issue. and I need to get the other one, too. There was a two-parter. The two-parter that came out, like, last year, or between last year and the year before. It was uh, Luck and Key in Pale Battalion's Go. And that was supposed to be, like, a World War I take. But it was set, like, around the house. And it was, like, yeah. around, around 1915. And so I wonder if it'll... I doubt it, but it's still Joe Hill. So I wonder if it'll still, like...
1: The prelude in this issue is part of that story.
2: Of, uh, guy. Okay, cool. so of, of, of the
1: World War One story, yeah, it literally it literally ties directly into it. Okay, so for sure, I'll, I'll read it. It talks that. about it talks about him on the battlefield.
2: Okay, so I'll for sure, read that one. Find yeah. into this. Oh, I'm so fucking excited, dude!
1: It's really, really, really good. I'm really liking it a lot. So nice. Uh, next up, we're gonna kick it over to DC now. Now that we've halfway gone to DC, uh, we got two books, and I want Josue to start with Wonder Woman 771.
2: 771. Again, the credits are somewhere all over the place. Uh, yeah. Written by Michael W. Conrad and Becky Clunin. Cloon, Excuse me. Art right, by Travis Moore and colors by Tamara Von and lettering by Pat Brazu. Yeah. Again, I totally forgot the, the name of, the, of this arc. <laughs> and I like, immediately just fell in love with it all over again. It's Afterworlds. Like, my Afterworlds, <laughs> my LARP. And yeah, Diana is in Asgard, in and around Ragnarok, really. She's, she's going through these phases of, like, dying and, co- and coming back into into battle, and then washing it down away in the glory of uh, the dining hall until it all starts over. Well, this time, she was just like, yo, there's people fucking missing, and that's, like, there's less people waking up now, like, it's supposed to be, like, almost, like, anti-death and a weird heaven, right? So she takes it up to Thor, so this is DC's Thor moment he's actually a piece yeah. of shit and he's really not important at all he's just like he's literally just like yeah i don't see less people or he's literally he's also like uh sucks to suck uh i guess like winners for <laughs> winners uh,
1: so, uh i couldn't quite see is he redheaded yeah that's actually accurate he's actually redheaded oh no the shit nice he's not blonde yeah
2: <laughs> Uh, well, his attitude oh, it really fucking sucks. And he's really just like, well, if they die, then I guess they're not real winners, are they? <laughs>
1: That's kind of also accurate.
2: <laughs> Mythology, <laughs> Thor.
1: Mythology <laughs> Thor is an asshole, by the way.
2: Uh, so, yeah, so this decides to take him out of his own hands. So she's like, well, fuck this. Let me go find the mysterious of to, to find answers, right? Um, and then she almost has another certain death. Like, there's these shots, they go black and white, and there's this other omnipotent um, person. With their hands raised up, almost superman ish, but there's no cave, and I don't want to say it's Superman, but mm-hmm. they know who Diana is. And but this time, instead of resetting and dying and resetting over, she literally finally breaks through a rock. It was a giant boulder, it was gonna crush her. She breaks through it, and she fights on and finds this cave with stairs that go all the way down. And in it, she finds, still not knowing why or how she knows it, but it's fucking Dr. Psycho. Ooh. So he's around, and she figures out that she, <laughs> she figures that she's able to figure out. Um, not really how, from where she knows them, she's still lost in there. But she figures out that or why why he's there is uh, at least his personal why at the time is that he's supplying weapons to both sides, and that and he's just still being a still being a villain. But she's still in this weird trance of just like I'm trying to get to how I know you from or where I know you from, and it's just like it, be, it just becomes a blur. So she tricks him into, I mean, she almost, she tricks him into telling him the truth, uh, with, there's a lasso, but it's, it's actually really cool because it's not really, it's not obviously the lasso of the truth, but as <laughs> it turns out, old habits die hard for everyone and anything can be a lasso of truth in the right hands. And she just leaves him tied up into a chair. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, she's, a, she's able to make it out, but it's still, it's still a weird journey into this weird Asgard tale. Um, it 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 starts I mean, it's like like cool like mythos like as, at least um Norse mythos because uh, mm-hmm. they go they go to retrieve
0: in order to ro- to bring back like the 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 pre dude from the
2: last issue they have to go do the quest of getting like the eagle egg to go feed it to the to the snake or to the snake um, and and the, and there's like that little squirrel companion that's kind of like talking to her and telling her what to do along the way. And the whole time, people have been telling her to not really trust the squirrel all that much, but it's been the only companion she's had. Um, and then the squirrel kind of does trick her into like getting the egg, breaking it, get, letting all the uh, everything out so that she can go in almost like Trojan horse style into said snake, because that's what like the preview is to, to let him out. It's just very different. It's not really, we're not really in the DC universe. Like, really? I'm just still, mm. I'm still waiting to see how it's all going to tie back into it, because this is supposed to be the Diana that was from like, from what's it called? Yeah. yeah. Infinite Frontier, right? Yeah, Infinite Frontier. Yeah, okay. so like the <laughs> s- sensation on this one where it's just like, where she was like the last one, and then she was part, part of going to become, become part of the quintessence, and now she's back because she didn't want to miss anything. It's still really weird how it's going to tie all back together. Um, but yeah, that's, that's Wonder Woman.
1: Nice. All right. I got two DC books. Cool. Uh, my first one is Challenge of the Super Suns. Okay. So I jumped on board this because of Damien. Let's all be honest. <laughs> and also because Future State showed me a really cool John Kent in the future. And I figured I might as well get it on the ground floor. So. Well,
2: they can punch the sun.
1: <laughs> yes. It's great. Uh, so Story and Words by Peter J. Tomasi, Art by Max Rayner. Colors by Luis Guerrero, and Letters by Rob Lay. Um, I love this already. And uh, it's okay. So, John and Damien go to school together. And um, their whole thing is they go to school and then afterwards they can do their vigilante thing together. (laughs) And John's trying to get on the the school paper so he's like been researching some like expose about there's a cheating scandal in the school and he's like I've been working on it for two weeks and I could smell a story just got to put the f- pieces together and Damien's like yeah I've already solved it and then okay. he's like wait what'd you say he's like yeah it's a uh, Professor Harrow's TA she's been selling previews he's like I uploaded the evidence to the headmaster she'll be fired tomorrow can we go now <laughs> like and John's just like I've been working for two weeks and he's just like well I'm the world's greatest detective
0: basically so <laughs>
1: And it's just like, it's just like their fun little thing. And it's really great dynamic because I was really worried going into this that Damien would lose his identity a little bit uh, because he can kind of be a little shit, you know, like, and I love that about him. Uh, but basically like he um, it, it is really fun. Like he's just the shitty friend that everybody has that is actually a really good friend. He's just a douche, you know? And, like at one point they're changing and Damien rips open his button up to reveal his Robin costume. And then John's over there unbuttoning. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, my dad says I'm ripping too many shirts. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's just, it's just like the dynamic of the two of them. Um, and then something happens. They get met by somebody, an old woman in a cloak. And she says the doom scroll. And um, she basically sends them through a portal and they come back a few moments later and basically you're, you're led to believe they go to the future and they come back they're still roughly the same age they don't look bigger or anything like that but they have the doom scroll now the doom scroll is a thing in disney or disney in dc excuse me where if you if your name appears on it you're going to die within an hour and so the boys are there to save people whose names are appearing on it now And the very first thing they do is they pull it up, and it's the Flash symbol. Oh, shit. So they got to get over to Central City, and uh, it's going to take longer than an hour for Robin, you know? And they have to get, like, the Superman mobile (laughs) for for Damien. Because if if John tried to carry him, he'd just basically burn up. (laughs) So, um it's great because he shows him that and then Damien starts laughing. He's like, your dad made a supermobile. What a copycat. Is he building a super cave, super rags, a super boat? <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> like, yeah. And so they go there basically and they find out that he's going to be, um, the flash is going to be killed by lightning. He's going to be struck by lightning and he's running. And uh, at the last second, Damien throws his staff to uh, John and, and it's like, just just fly low and hold this. And it's basically a lightning rod. So he gets hit by lightning instead of Flash, so Flash survives. Oh, and good. so it's like, it's like oh, that's cool. And then they're like, um, well, it's good. Nice work. Wonderful. We'll have some time to regroup and figure out what the next steps are. And then Damien says, well, buddy, wonder no more. And the Doom Scroll changes to Wonder Woman. Civil. Oh, shit. So we're going to have a quick tour through the DC universe, which I really, really like. So cool. it's a lot of fun. It's actually a really fun book. I'm really enjoying it. So um i am going to quickly move on to batman urban legends oh man this book this is the best batman book i've read in a while really? uh you might remember this as the one i said had the best jason todd story and the one that we've needed for a very long time where alfred basically tells bruce yeah we failed jason you get that right it's our fault right <laughs> like, so uh we get part two of that uh so the first part is red hood and batman and it's written by Chip Zardsky. Cool. uh Drawn by Eddie Barrows, Eber Ferreira, and Julio Ferreira, with Marcus Toe doing flashback art, arts, Adriana Lucas doing coloring, and Becca Kyrie doing the lettering. We get part two of it, and basically, if you remember correctly, in the last issue, we had a kid who's, um, whose mom was a junkie and in a coma. Jason found the kid's dad and found out the, that he was the one selling the drugs, and he's the one that said, I don't care if the kid lives or dies, basically. Jason loses control and shoots the guy in the head, and he dies. That's how the last issue ended. Yeah. Um,
2: it was an L and D.
1: We get a really sad flashback oh, from here. when Jason was a little kid. Oops. Where he's home alone with his mom and she's like, Jason, Jason, honey, do mommy a favor. Go to the store and get us some bread and get yourself a little. And then she looks at the money in her hand and she goes, J- just get the bread, okay, honey? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm dead inside as soon yeah. as that happens. It's it's page two, guys, okay? <laughs> like and she's like, My friend's coming over and Jason's like, he's a drug dealer. And she goes, He's helping me. You'll you'll understand when you're older, basically. And as he's walking out, the the guy's walking up the stairs, is like, Hey, your mom home? Jason's like, fuck off and he's like, you know, they have a little confrontation. So Jason's like dealing with the fact that he killed somebody and he's talking about how like he's damaged and all this stuff, you know. And the arc in the main story not a lot happens he takes the kid back and basically keeps him in his hideout until batman shows up to confront both of them and the kid basically stands between them as they fight and won't let batman get to red hood he's like he's a hero he's the red hood and it's like really sad but then we get a second flashback to wrap up the story from what i just described where the drug dealer comes out and jason's still sitting outside he never left and the drug dealer dude dude's like You've been out here the whole time? He's like, um, apartment's all yours, tough guy. Your mom's going to be sleeping for a while. And he starts to go down the stairs and Jason runs up and pushes him down the stairs and kills him. Oh, shit. This is before he even met Bruce. Fuck. Oh, my God. So, like, it's so dark, dude. Like,
3: Jesus Christ, it's fucking crazy. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's really crazy. But, like, uh, yeah. And then the the one shot, because the what, last one shot was Harley Quinn. Yeah, yeah. This one is Oracle. Uh and uh it was really really cool i really enjoyed it it was uh, written by cecil castellucci uh, art and colors by marguerite savage and letters by becca carey i believe marguerite savage is the one that did superwoman in future state which i really liked the art for so it makes a lot of sense with this you can kind of see it's just really nice art Uh, yeah so um basically it's a hacking contest between barbara and one of her villains. And she had, she came up with a new costume as Oracle, which is this. Huh? And it's basically a tracksuit. Yeah. And, but it's got things like uh, her cane is a telescoping antenna. Uh, there's cables in the seams of her pants to plug directly into computers. Okay. Like all kinds of cool stuff. It's, but it just looks like... And basically, she's mobile is the idea. She can go around town and not have to sit behind a computer. And she basically out-hacks this girl and catches her. So it's really cool. It's really a lot of fun. But it is a one-shot, it looks like. So... Uh, the next one was um, was the Outsiders one, written by Brandon Thomas, drawn by Max Dunbar, colored by Luis Guerrero, and lettered by Steve Wands. Um, this one is Metamorpho, Black Lightning, and Katana, and it all comes down to basically, um, Black or Katana's kind of uh, basically they imply that Black Lightning and Katana are going to be romantic. They they have a romantic interest in each other but katana sword has her husband's soul in it right so she's confronted by her husband's mom who is just like you're gonna forsake my son like this and so it's just kind of like oh what's going on here yeah i know right but she's a super villain so it kind of makes sense so yeah uh but it's mostly a katana story and I, i'm really digging that too i'm curious to see where that goes and then the last one is of course uh grifter uh, written by Matthew Rosenberg, drawn by Ryan Benjamin, colored by Antonio Fabella, and lettered by Sedef Temofonte. Um This one uh, is Grifter, once again, kind of getting caught on both sides of the the law. And it tells Grifter's DC origin. Because, uh, of course, he was a wildstorm character that came over. Yeah, from, and, and, from Image too. Yeah, so he, uh, they, they tell how he fits into the DC universe, Definitely. which is uh, Team Six... Uh, I'm going to give the briefest version of this I can because I was a really, really big Gen 13 okay. fan. So um, Team 6 was kind of the... They're the parents of Gen 13. And they were government operatives who had powers. And uh, in the DC version, basically something horrible happens and mo- a lot of them are killed, including Grifter's brother. Uh, but Grifter is seriously injured along with his brother. And Lucius Fox is able to get get Grifter... And given this like revolutionary medicine that's able to heal him, but they only had enough for one, and they chose Grifter instead of his brother. So he really hates that, basically. So that's how it comes in the DC universe. He's directly tied to Lucius Fox, um, and it, it's really, really cool. He um, he's working with Lucius. He's he's a bodyguard the entire time. He saves him from these guys. It's really cool. It's nice to see him competent because sometimes he's dr- he's drawn like an, a less competent uh, gambit. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Um, but I always said he's he's more Hawk more Hawkeye than Green Arrow ever was, basically. Um, and then in the end, he has a fight with the Red Hood and steals his pistol. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, really enjoyed it. The best thing about this book, though, is this cover. Uh, I'm getting a reflection
2: because it's so shiny. Oh, as fuck. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's just great.
2: Oh, it's both sides of like, the Red Hood.
1: Yep. Yeah. So wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So that is DC. Uh, now we're going to go ahead and flip over to our final publisher marvel uh we promise to make this as quick as we can for you guys Uh, so we're going to talk about our solo books first i will start off with dark hawk number one boom dark hawk heart of the hawk number one this is a one shot and it's a um it's a collection of stories about the character to kind of get us hyped for the character. Yeah. Um which I think is interesting. He has a new ongoing series coming, uh I guess, is what they announce at the end of this. Nice. Um I was wondering, I was like because a lot of times when they do this, these people are about to enter the Marvel the MCU. Yeah. So I was kinda like, Ooh, is he gonna show up, you know? So um but three stories. I'm just gonna go through the creative team for all of them real quick. First one is written by Dan- Danny Fingeroth, uh artist is Mike Manley, colorist is Chris Sodemeyer. Uh, second one is written by Dan Abnett, uh, artist is Andrea DeVito, yeah. ink by LeBeau Underwood and colored by Sebastian Chang. And the final story is written by Kyle Higgins, drawn by Juan Ramirez, and colored by Eric Arcinega. All three of these were lettered by Travis Lanham. Yeah,
2: yeah, so Dan is on board, you know, it's like cosmic legit.
1: Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it kind of addresses the different eras of Darkhawk. Quick backstory back to Darkhawk. Um, you guys know I'm a sucker for young heroes. That's like one of my things. Yeah. Um, he was one of the New Warriors, so oh, cool. I know him very well. I actually I have a copy of New Warriors number one uh, that is signed. Ooh, by the way, nice. Uh, like so uh, himself. <laughs> 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 um, I don't have it signed by everybody yet, unfortunately. Um, it was um, let me just pull this up here because I'm seeing if I have a picture to show you. Uh, I don't. I don't believe I have a picture. Um, the
2: the, might be introduced in the MCU, just like, uh, or be a glorified camp, uh, glorified post credit scene that will become nothing. Like, uh, was it Infinity Wars, the second way, the second one, and Adam Warlock at Guardians of Galaxy 2, and nothing happened?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, um,. Yeah. Uh da-da-da-da-da. huh. Oh yeah, here we go. Okay. So yeah, it's um it's draw it's it's signed by Mark Bagley. I don't have a photo though. Nice. Uh, um because he did the art. Cool. Uh I need it signed by the writer because the writer is Fabian Neseza. So <laughs> yes. So yeah. Anyways. Uh Darkhawk, his powers come from like an item that he found, like a jewel, and it gives him like an Iron Man like costume. It's pretty cool. It's it's very nineties. Or late eighties, if you will. So, um, the first story takes place in his early years, and it's very Spider-Man. It's very like, I have an arch nemesis, and then oh no, that's his daughter, and she's actually attractive, and I think she likes me, and like it, you know, it's very that era of Spider-Man. But it's great; it's really great. And he has an arch nemesis. Um, I mean, he has a dark version of himself that doesn't care about killing people, and um, his name is uh d- 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 um, something similar to dark hawk i'm trying to remember um savage steel <laughs> that's what it was um and you find out that savage Steel is his father like so he's like you know very st- spider-man story very personal conflict within that oh, yeah. so so yeah the first story is very much like a classic story the second one is dark hawk annihilation era and he put yeah. nine months after the war and he's on an outer planet and he goes to the bar and they're like, Hey, you human. And he's like, yeah. And basically he finds out that there's a group of the brood on this planet that are, that are taking like taking control of people.
2: Yeah,
1: And he finds out because he's like, I'm so far out. No one should be able to recognize I'm a human at this point. And only the brood, because they all share a memory, their hive mind, they would know. So that's how I found out, which I'm like, that's kind of sketchy reasoning. <laughs> <laughs> And, and yeah, so, but it's, it's really good. That's the one Dan Abnett wrote. About. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And then um, after that is another story that is more, more existential and more leaning towards the future. Okay. Um, Basically, he has to stop something. I'm not going to get into the, all the details because it's been forever explaining it. But basically he's on a ship and he has to destroy the ship, but he has to stay behind to do it. So he puts a recording of all of his time in the crystal that he uses and basically shoots it off into space. And then the ship is destroyed. So with the announcement of the new dark Hawk series, dark Hawk soars again, I think we're getting a new dark Hawk.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Someone finds the crystal, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah I, I liked it i mean i've always really liked the character so i knew i was picking up the book but yeah really really good dug it so uh next up i got iron fist heart of the dragon number four won't spend too much time on this one because we've been talking about the whole series um written by larry hama drawn by dave wachter uh colored by naraj manon and lettered by travis lanham there's a couple cool reveals in this one. So, as we know, the the capital cities of heaven have been attacked. All the all the dragons are being killed. And we're starting to find out who's responsible to this. And uh, it's a woman named Yama Dragonsbane, who is actually named Brenda Swanson in real life. Um, she is a reoccurring Iron Fist character. And her bit is that she... Um, she her family was basically killed by the Rand Corporation when she was a child. So she spent her entire life learning how to fight. She's learned every martial arts possible. Ooh, sick. And and she even served in like Kurdistan and stuff, like with like anti terrorist groups and stuff. And she came in to fight Iron Fist and then instead fell in love with him and they, they hooked up, right? Well now she's over that shit. So she's ready to take <laughs> him down. Yes. So. So she's the one with the dragon hearts that have been removed. You can see the dragon hearts here floating. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's trying to get the power. And uh, Okoye features pretty heavily in this issue. Nice. Uh, so she shows up and uh, she's talking, talking to a stranger. And there's... Um, she meets up with one of the other dragons that looks like this. And... Um, It takes her flying. She's hugging it and it's flying over the city and everything like that. Um, And it basically is talking about the balance. You know, we must make difficult choices to restore the balance, things like that. Meanwhile, the rest of the group is getting attacked by zombies and they fight them off, and it's fun. It's just a great fun fight scene. We also meet this dragon, which is Bride of Nine Spiders' dragon. So it's a half spider, half dragon, which is terrifying. Like, look at that face. (laughs) Like, it's crazy. So awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, uh, long story short, Prince of Orphans shows up, which again, we read The Invincible Iron Man or Iron Fist, so we know Prince of Orphans is OP as balls. And he shows up, and literally just some green mist shows up, and it just starts tearing apart the zombies from the inside. He doesn't even have to touch them. (laughs) Yeah. And then, uh, they show up and they they're like they finally get back to where okoye is and here's okoye holding the heart of the dragon she was talking to Oh shit! and says i've been waiting for you the dragon knew you would be coming and they're like you're supposed to be a hero she's like there are no villains or heroes at the crossroads of destiny there are only those who must make terrible choices we who have been bidden to do the unthinkable and she cuts the spider dragon's heart out as well and she says, we who must do what we least want to do to restore the cosmic balance and preserve all under heaven. I think Akai is about to get a power boost. <laughs> I'm very excited. be awesome. Oh my God. Yeah, it's such a cool move. So really, really enjoying that book. Pick it up. I think there's probably one issue, maybe two left. Cool. So, um, Next up, Black Cat. Number five. Fresh off our interview with Jed McKay. It's written by Jed McKay. Drawn by Michael Dowling. Colored by Ryan Reber. And letter by Farron Delgado. This ties directly back to the first Black Cat series Jed wrote. Okay. uh, Where it was like, they're doing all these heists and they're getting things together to break into the Thieves Guild's vault, right? And then King and Black happened and we kind of got a pause on that. Now we're going back to it. So they finally have everything that they need to break in. And the Black Fox tells Felicia, hey, I'm dying. He's like, this is my last hurrah, basically. And he's like, I'm proud of you. I love you. You're my, you know, you're my student and all this stuff. And they work together and, um, they're able to open the portal to the thieves guild, uh, vault. And he tells her, Hey, there's going to be a guard. He's like, you should know this. And, um, she's like, well, you you know, you didn't tell me about that to begin with. And it actually cuts to, to, um, the black Fox talking to, um, to Dracula. And there's a really cool moment where he's talking to Dracula because he doesn't want to die. His whole thing is, I want to be immortal. Yeah. And he's just like, you know, allow me to turn my skills to your whims, Lord Dracul. You know, I I ask only a place in your court. And Dracula's like, nah, I don't think so. (sighs) And he's like, remember what you stole from me? And then you find out that uh, Castillo, uh, Black Hat's father, Black Fox, and Ulysses Bloodstone Mm -hmm. robbed Dracula at one point and he's always held it against him he's like i'll be happy to see you die an old man basically i'm like damn dracula <laughs> so um so they open the portal and then um this this fucking thing this is the guardian you can see how small they are compared to it yeah it shows up and it's just like what do you want and then um the black fox is like i want to make a deal eternal life immortality for me and the girl and she's like what and she's like what are you doing he's like the plan was never to steal their money we're gonna steal their immortality Ooh. and he basically says like the the guardians like my my contract was with odessa drake she's bargained and paid my price He's like i offer something better and he's like in order to break the, to make the same break its contract with Odessa and the guild i would need to offer it an Im- measure, immense treasure a prize of incalculable worth. And he's like, do you remember? And he reaches in the box She goes, oh no, Fox. He goes, here the greatest treasure in the world. I give you Manhattan. Oh. Like, yeah. That's right.
2: Like the deed to Manhattan.
1: Yeah, that's why they had to steal that part. I always thought that didn't quite add up with the rest of the story. Uh-huh. Why they needed it. So uh, it's such a great reveal. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. So good.
2: Yeah. I, wanna, so. I, I hope she plays it against uh, Fisk at one point. yeah well this is my fucking territory
1: (laughs) but we'll see if it it, I mean if it takes the deal she'll be immortal but she won't want to be I don't think it'll I don't think it'll last in the end but she's gonna want
2: to run away with that fucking beat anyway
1: yeah she'll steal (laughs) (laughs) um, and then my next uh, my final solo book is Guardians of the Galaxy number 13 Legacy number 175 we're getting close to that 200 Um, written by Al Ewing Drawn by Juan Fregheri, colored by Federico Bli, letter by Corey Petit. So as we know, things have changed with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um they are now part of the preschool Skull government, kind of. Um in that they do they work together. They don't take orders. But usually if something's wrong, they'll go help, you know. Yeah. So um The progenitors are attacking a world and Wiccan and Hulkling show up to stop them. And um and so uh while they're doing that, Hulkling drops one of the progenitors by himself with the sword, because the sword his sword's badass, you know, (laughs) it's basically cut it up. And so him and Wiccan are fighting, and um they're like they're like getting overwhelmed and stuff, and then all of a sudden the guardians show off and it's really cool to nice. it spread it's got Groot, Nova, moon dragon, rocket, Gamora, and Peter, including just scruffy Peter. Right. Nice. I just love it. So, yeah. Um, so they're fighting the dudes and it's, a. Uh, let me see here. One sec. Um, so they're fighting them and, uh, Let's see here. basically like so the progenitors they adjust according to the threat they um, you know if you're if you're weak they put out weak weak fighting. They don't over overkill basically. So they're fighting Groot and they're like, oh he's not that difficult to fight right And um, basically they're holding Groot and Star Lord is like I'm star Lord master of the Sun and master of four elements sunlight and soil, fresh air, fresh water, the essence of all things the essence of growth, have a boost, big guy. And he shoots Groot with stuff to make him grow. And he oh becomes as large as a progenitor and takes <laughs> him out by himself. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And then Nova like rips the head off the last progenitor. They can survive without their head. And he takes the head into space and is like, yeah, go home. And they're like, agreed, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and then he just kicks them basically back the way they came. Um, so that's them saving Hoekland and Wiccan. Uh, we get a really cool moment with uh, Peter and Gamora, and they're trying to work stuff out. Also, on another planet, we have a simultaneous mission going with Drax, um, Marvel Boy, uh, and then uh, Bla- Quasar. And um, oh, God, I always forget her name. Moon Dragon's Girl, the other Captain Marvel, the fourth Captain, Mar- fifth Captain Marvel, whichever one. <laughs> yeah anyways, um, the four of them, Philovel, there we go Philovel, yeah, um, and we find out the quasar can now switch places with Avril Kincaid, who is a former who's also a quasar, yeah, and is a former shield agent, so they have different like specialties, quasar's more the heavy hitter, she's more subtle, yeah, and so she can help them like break in, and they're trying to break up this big cult of scrolls that worship fire, so um. But yeah, so it's like we're doing two simultaneously simultaneous stories at the same time. It's been fun, you know. And then um uh one thing we find out is Gamora and Peter are having a moment and Peter's like, hey, I was gone for a long time. I was a different person. And he revealed that he had a child while he was in the other world. Oh, shit.
2: Yeah. So, oh, man. Yeah, so. That... Future hero canon later.
1: <laughs> yeah, and... uh okay so and the best part is in the end so quill's team is like there and th- they did their thing and um they suddenly get attacked and there's like lightning striking everywhere it's like knocks down hulkling and It's like king of space master of the sun basically takes everybody out and then he said uh, i'm the king of only a single nation on a simple planet a beloved guard tended by iron hands and he takes Hulkling's sword and he says, "The only title I've ever claimed is Doctor." Of course it, Of course it is. God damn. Yeah. So Doctor Doom has shown up. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh, is he going to join the group? That would be great. I, I mean, he's in a lot of the promotional pictures. Wait, so he's in space though. right now? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he's Doom. He can be wherever he wants. So. Um, so yeah, pick it up. Guardians is so good right now, guys. It's the gayest book. Awesome. Um, I, I actually sat down the other day and I tried to see if there were more gay people or more LGBT people currently in Guardians than have ever been in the Justice League. And it's true if you don't count the bullshit Justice League spin-offs like when Harley was briefly in the Justice League and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. If you don't count those, there's been there's more people in the LGBT community <laughs> currently in the Guardians of the Galaxy than have ever been in Justice League. Which is so pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, so that's that's my solos. I know you have a solo. Go ahead and uh, j- jump into it whenever you want. Uh,
2: yeah, it's just a uh, quick recap on Amazing Spider-Man, number 63, Legacy 864, by Nick Spencer, artist by Federico Bicentini, and Alex Sinclair does the colors, and Joe Caramanga does the lettering. Uh, yeah, so quick recap. This is very much going to be a Spider-Man drama issue. <laughs> and it's so funny how you're saying... Uh, what it's like to be a spider, uh, what like an early Spider-Man tale on um, like the villain and daughter's nemesis and all that. So it's not really with Peter because um, he's still he's gonna get he's gonna get back with MJ. He's gonna be married with MJ by the end of this run. I fucking know it. Um, <laughs> so Peter is working for JJ uh, for Death and Menaces, and he's got the cool new high tech suit that allows. Uh, subscribers to Thits and Menaces uh, to watch the world through Spidey's eyes. So that's pretty cool. Now the main drama, uh, from where we left off, this, this arc is called, it's the start of the new arc, it's called King's Ransom. And this is pretty much like the only you need to know about this issue. It's that, meanwhile, Peter's other roommate, because the other, other roommate is Boomerang, who's actually turned on, so he's really, okay, goddamn I
1: love that dynamic, by the way.
2: I'm starting to buy it.
1: But it's one, it's one of my favorite things about the new <laughs> Spider-Man stuff is I'm like, he's hanging out with Boomerang. That's amazing. I love it.
2: I'm sorry to buy into it, but we'll get to that. So anyway, Peter's other roommate, Randy Robertson, son of Daily, Daily Bugle's Robbie Robertson, has rekindled his relationship with Janice Lincoln. She's the villain known as The Beetle, who's part of like the, the art girls of Syndicate, uh, and the daughter of Robbie's arch ne- enemy, Tombstone. So wait, 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 tombstone, tombstone, like big ass tombstone. His daughter is is Beetle,
1: huh? Wait, wait. So who's her mother? Because the original Beetle was was last name of Lincoln as well, Abe Lincoln. I thought, or well, not Abe Lincoln. Um <laughs> oh, I can't remember. Anyways, go on. Yeah,
2: go. I mean, I have to look at how the, how that one works out. But um we want to get this uh, a little bit back at Ravencrop, where where. Um, yeah. Uh, Osborne is just uh, still wants to talk through, uh, wants to talk to Harry through Kindred while, while he's still encapsulated in that in that dark cube that they, go from, that they did from the spot. And Osborn thinks he's like being all by, has some privacy, but then we get a reveal that King Fan is, is still spying on these really intimate moments that he's trying to have with with Harry. <laughs> um, so anyway, we come back to and to, to Spider-Man. He's just kicking, uh, kicking all kinds of ass with Boomerang because he's still trying to get all these uh, pieces to the to the lifeline tablet
3: mm-hmm.
2: and they're really almost there. Um, all right, if anything also, um, Kingpin, uh, has also brought more, uh, Baron Mordo into play, uh, just cause kind of like they're dipping into mystical stuff. So shit. Also uh, the MCU hasn't used them in a while, so might as well bring it back into the comics. Um, so anyway, um, that's all being, uh, that's all happening. Uh, meanwhile, the, the main drama is that this got found out. This is literally a picture, um, of, uh the drama between uh Beetle uh, between Janice and um uh, and Randy, and the whole time it becomes like this like these two simultaneous boomer talks of Tombstone and Robbie talking to their to their offspring, being like, You can't date them because of this reason and this reason, and the whole time they're like, You know, this is just making me want to date them even more now. <laughs> uh, but we get a, a great double, double page spread on like the history of like Robbie and Tombstone and why it's just they're why this has been way more of an arch nemesis than really Tombstone being a Spider-Man villain. Like, they've gone, like... There's been, like, fucking history. I didn't even know that when Robbie went to prison, there's basically cellmates Ryan next to Tombstone the whole time. You can imagine how that will went in prison. So there's just so much animosity there. Um, but then there's a great moment where, um, back with Spider-Man and... and, uh, and Boomerang... That the the part that really made me buy into that's like maybe Boomerang really is turning a new leaf is that while they're like, kicking ass and saving the day, um, you just get into it, like, like Boomerang just like kind of lets out that he just like he really wants to fucking do this right. It's like I, if he can do this one thing, he just like it maybe just or that it feels good to just, just start probably doing this right. And it really only probably it really only came down to it because since he's kind of sided with the bad guys, not really realizing how he was siding with the bad guys like a Secret Empire. So he didn't he did he wants he doesn't want to be viewed as a Nazi even though because he wasn't he was just <laughs> helping out that side so or er, go you know, he was kind of a Nazi so he just really wants to scrub that away and now he's kind of doing good with spider-man he's kind of seeing that okay I might I might kind of like pursue this approach to life which is good um but yeah, it's really just it just does that like um, and at the end there's a conversation with uh randy with the guys and then janice like with the girls literally having like, the, the same conversation like it jumps it cuts to and jumps to having like kind of the same dialogue but with like the different answers from the other side and it's really good like the at the end both conversations end where like yo you need to dump him you need to dump her um <laughs> but again like, you kind of sided more with like with the girls because like the girls are just seeing history it was like yo he's just gonna try and fucking change you in the end like he's just like he's not just like he's just to. Fix you um, at the end because he's not going to be damned with when you want to go steal. <laughs> and there's a great moment um, where, when he's kind of trying to explain it to the guys um, where she's trying to uh, turn up a new leaf. It's great. He's like, um, but she's not. I mean, the line between what's legal and what's not, it's getting gray every day. And she tries to find creative, frequently nonviolent ways to exploit those vague parts of, okay, i it sounds more convincing when she says it. Mm-hmm. So, because at the end, at the end of the issue, it's just them two and their and the talk just, and the talk does come up. And they really talked it out where it's like, you know, it's like, like, it's good. I'm glad that we talk. We can actually work through this up until he says, like, um, Cause I told, I told, I told them you were reforming and she was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, that's not really that. Like, I explained this, the line between what's legal and Ill- illegal is getting greater by the day. What I do is exploit that. So it's like, this dude just has just been getting it twisted for where his better. is. like, all right. Um, but no, it pretty much doesn't end well. They almost like break up right then and there. Um, and then yeah, shit happens. There's a great moment with uh, Madame Mask and how much she's a big fan of hers. Uh, but yeah, it's just drama building up. It's just the start of the arc, but it's just really good because I've been liking like, just all the side characters I've been kind of popping up too, and really Peter kind of just like takes a takes a seat back uh, in, in this issue. So yeah, that was that was good for um, Spider Man.
1: Nice. Um, and I'll I want to correct myself. Um, his last name wasn't Lincoln. It's Abner Jenkins. I'm stupid. Oh, okay, I'm Thunderbolts Man. I promise you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and move on we'll stick with spider-man for a bit yeah uh non-stop spider-man number two uh written by joe kelly pencil by chris baccalo um with inking by tim townsend alve and wayne Foucher, um colored by marcio Maniz, and letter by travis lanham once again lives up to its name (laughs) non-stop it just goes and goes and goes and it's a lot of fun and Um, won't spend too much time on it again with issue twos. We usually don't spend too much time because it just builds on issue one a lot, yeah. Um, but we do get to see the Zapata brothers come back, which is fun, and they're geniuses now. So that was that was interesting. This page was pretty cool, yeah. (laughs) I really like that panel, yeah. I was gonna say, I bet Jose loves these, (laughs) (laughs) um, and yeah, it's just a lot of fun basically it's spider-man trying to get away from them and they're super geniuses and he's trying to figure out what's going on um we also get another appearance by zemo on the last page mm-hmm. so that was a lot of fun too we're getting more and more zemo i'm excited
2: the part where uh, they the part where they crush a midair it was like oh fuck out that was a dope move <laughs> yeah
1: not a lot i have to say about it other than i really enjoyed it again it just kind of like you know happens so yeah what do you think anything
2: oh no i was, was it was definitely like that it's like non-stop not spider-man for sure it's like just when you think like oh shit he got away or like they got away from danger thank god and it's like no like there's something's right around the corner something pops up and it's actually really cool <laughs> it keeps it really good it lives up to kind of keeping spider-man on his, on his toes because he's supposed to be quick and agile but like how quick can it really be and like these dangers do come up a lot so it's cool yeah
1: And then uh, next up is our other Spider-Man book of the week, Spider-Man, Spider's Shadow, (laughs) uh, written by Chip Zartsky, drawn by Pascal Ferry, colored by Matt Hollingsworth, lettered by Joe Caramagna. So this is a what if story. Mm -hmm. And basically, when Spider-Man originally got the Venom costume, uh, or the costume we know as the symbiote costume at the time. Yeah. Uh, he eventually rejected it once he found out what it was trying to do. It was trying to take him over, and it went with Eddie Brock. Well, coming out of King of Black, we're asked, "What if Spider-Man had kept the suit?" Yes, and we get this awesomely dark story <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's just like really well done. And we, if you if you read the original symbiote like arc, it is a natural progression of what happened then, where Peter had these kind of like aggressive tendencies and um he you know had tried his best to keep them down and stuff and in this one again it's a what-if story so they can kind of open it up a little bit mm-hmm. where he can do things he normally wouldn't do uh, this is also the era where he's kind of two-timing like, like literally juggling uh, juggling mj and black
2: cat yeah, like damn <laughs> yeah
1: and so uh yeah so it's basically peter being like i'm gonna keep the costume and he gets into a, a confrontation with hobgoblin and he goes a little too far with hobgoblin, which leads to leads an escalation on the other side. And we just see him getting darker and darker. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it because there's a lot of really cool stuff that happens here. And it really tells you a lot about his character and where it's going to go. Um, one thing I will say is, um, basically the house is on fire and Peter has to try to save Aunt May. Oh, God. But the symbiote won't let him go. Oh, my it God. So it's just like, huh, like, and then we get this awesome new pseudo-Venom look.
0: Yeah, no, this, this one's awesome. So
2: like post-King uh, in Black, it's really cool because um, this whole time it's supposed to be like Venom's uh, spider, like chest spider. Um, it's supposed to be like, oh, just like a darker, bigger version of the spider since it's post, it's right after Spider-Man. No, it's, it's being now with after being with the with the new host, one that didn't have anything to do with Peter, it actually resembles what it was supposed to be, and that's why uh, Noel has like the same the same symbol, only red. Because instead of being a spider, it's supposed to be uh, a dragon. That's why it kind of has like a bigger a bigger tail end. So yeah. this one this reveal now at the end of this issue, I like that it actually doubles down more as like the uh, a spider, like a, the venom. It looks like venom, like it looks bigger, like more broad, like venom. But like the face, like that it has like actual teeth, like a spider would. It's, it's what really sticks out. So it's like, fuck yeah, this is like a true spider extra like, spider venom.
1: Yeah, with that extended jaw. Like, yes, yeah. just just a little bit. Not all ridiculous like venom with the big mouth and the teeth and the tongue. like it's, it's just a four. teeth. Yeah. Yet. yeah.
2: The two top, two bottom ones. just makes it look a little more menacing, like a spider. It's uh, it's cool.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm enjoying it. I think it's cool. It's a four issue mini. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see where how dark Sartsky wants to
2: make it. I mean, like he, it's, it's supposed to be the tale of him keeping it throughout the ages, almost like Chip Sartsky doing Life Story again, but yeah. specifically Peter keeping the symbiote. Like, I mean, like the part, the part with Reed when he just like crunches up his his hand because it's, yeah. it's it's Reed into he can, just, he can just make it elastic or whatever. But it's like I know a greedy scientist when I see one. Reed It's like, oh god, it's <laughs> gonna get hella fucking dark. Um, but I really fucking love this I, and I really like um, sure like the, 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 the last bit of it of like of what they're gonna what they're planning to do because what ifs used to be just one shots, single shot stories. And I like that like Marvel's approaching. Like, let's kind of like expand on the story. Let's, let's see how, how much we can elaborate now throughout, throughout the ages of this character on this particular what if Genius idea. I, I love this.
1: Yeah, totally. All right, next up Thor and Loki, double trouble number two. <laughs> Written by Mariko Tamaki, drawn by Guru hiro And Letter by Ariana Mayer. Um, This is that all-ages book with Thor and Loki. They accidentally summon the Midgard Serpent's sister. um, And they have to fight it. And they try, and they don't do a great job. And Loki tries to seduce her with some flowers because he's Loki, which is great. Um, It's just a lot of fun. Thor thinks, why don't we just blow the horn again? And they summon the mother of the Midgard Serpent. who yells at her daughter and makes her go home, basically. So um, it's resolved pretty quickly in a very fun way. And then Thor and Loki have to clean up the destruction. Odin makes them. And then Loki's like, hey, I swiped this this crystal thing. It helps us control time. And so we can use this to repair things quickly. It'll be easier. And Thor's like, I don't like the sound of this, but fine. And they start doing it. And then suddenly they fall into a pit. (laughs) And it's just a lot of fun. I don't want to spend too much time on it. It's just a great book. It's great for kids of all ages. If you love the banter between Thor and Loki and Thor Ragnarok, this is a great, great issue or series to start. Yeah. right. Uh, I love that Loki continues to not take responsibility for anything. At all, yeah. Even <laughs> as they're following, Thor's like, this is your fault. He goes, I maintain no responsibility. <laughs> so, yeah. No. The, cover of, the cover of the next one is Thor yeah. arm wrestling Valkyrie. Or is that supposed to be female Thor? It's
2: supposed to be, uh, yeah, Jane Thor. Mm, okay. So I was, I was going to bring that up. I was like, I'm so curious what the next tale is going to be.
1: Yeah, Oh, yeah, because there's a second Mjolnir. I just say that now. <laughs> so, yeah, that's interesting. But, yeah, great book. Uh, next up, our dearly departed Power Pack number five. Oh, man. Okay. The final issue. Written by Ryan North. Uh, drawn by... I'm doing this by heart, my memory. I'm trying to find it. There we go. Drawn by Nico Leone, colored what? by Rochelle Rosenberg and letter by Travis Lanham. We are wrapping up the story of power pack outlawed. And I think it wraps up very satisfactorily.
2: You're really cool. Uh,
1: yeah. I really enjoyed it. Power pack is goofy. It's supposed to be goofy. Everybody. <laughs> um, once again, and we've said this every time, but I cannot stress this enough the outfits they put these kids in yeah. are just so dope. <laughs> like, I wish I was this styling when I was this age, man. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. Um, but particularly Alex and Julie being the two older ones, yeah, they always look so great. So, um, But basically, they come up with an idea to get their powers back, and it involves Wolverine, <laughs> we saw last issue. <laughs> yes. in, in, in this issue, he plays Wolverine. He's so cool. I'm the secret brother, uh, secret brother of Wolverine. Bubs, only I'm evil.
2: <laughs> he's like, It's, it's still the, the same black lines where you expect them to be, but instead of yellow, he's it's purple. It, he actually looks really cool.
1: It looks like his X Force costume when he was yeah. when he was leading X Force with X twenty three and Warpath.
2: Just like a hell of a lot more purple.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he's just like, yeah, and basically he's able to fake them having their park powers again using like technology and stuff like that. <laughs> And they made sure there's a camera crew on, on site for the wizard to see. So he can be like, wait a minute, they have their powers. They held out on me basically. So he goes, kidnaps the power kids at lights or near light speed, because he can't quite reach light speed, puts them back in the things and was like, I'll get the rest of your powers. And he throws the switch. And what happens is he gives their powers back because Julie remembered where his base was. Thank God. Cause I thought it was a really plot- huge follow plot for a second. <laughs> but, but then I was like, yeah, she would know actually. And then she came in and switched the, the machine to give them their powers back to go in reverse. Yeah, Which they literally made fun of him for suggesting, which I thought was <laughs> great. Um, and then handed him his ass, basically. Um, and then we find out that they maintain the false identity of Agent Aether because they still need a sponsor. Yeah. And now, if they make a note, if there's any other underage heroes that need a mentor, we just have Agent Aether do it. <laughs>
2: Oh my god! yes.
1: And, uh, just fuck the police. Like, it's so great. <laughs> like, it's so great. Um, and then Jack, of course, puts everything on YouTube and they write the story, like this message to their parents. Do they reveal this to their parents? I don't know.
2: It's, it's, it's more like a, of a fail-safe in case they ever want to. Like This would be like, hey, this is the easiest, most comprehensible way for you to catch up. So thanks, parents. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then at uh, last page we get... Sorry, true believer, but the powers are packed up for now. We hope you enjoyed the journey. Keep an eye out for more from the power siblings across the universe. I hope so. I love it, dude. I, it's just so much fun. It's just a good, good fun break.
2: This was a great issue, and like I love, I love the way it was told, the way it was set up. Um, I love how each each issue was told through the perspective of each of them, and then this one was like through all of them. They each had like their own like. Uh, uh, bubbles like they'll do different color bubbles as like as they were telling I, I like that I just like it didn't leave off like oh, I wonder what they were thinking this moment like they each had their, their own moment to like like speak their part I guess part of the finale Wolverine just letting loose and being like <laughs> just being still kind of like a closeted just nerd and goofball with the X-Men over on Krakoa but if he ever gets to call from the power pack he knows he can just be Actually, silly and just <laughs> and let loose this way because boys, he just actually fun with them. Like him just saying like no, <laughs> just like being hurt by Julie was just goddamn it, was just fucking priceless.
1: Like a, like a high schooler in drama class.
2: Yes! Like, it's, it's so, so cool. fucking funny here. And it's honestly completely, like, it's not unbelievable. You were talking about how, like, yeah, he'd make appearances. He's fucking awesome with the power pack. So it doesn't make it completely unbelievable. It's, it's still very much Logan, but just riffing and just playing playing with these kids. Uh, it, it was awesome. And then the bit at the end of the fact that it's like, you know what? Yeah. And if we did end up learning something from from the fucking guy is like, we should be kind of using our powers to help out the world. And they started doing their own shit. Like you based on their powers. And I thought that was really fucking cool.
1: Yeah, totally. That, like that was a cool aspect of it that, that mm-hmm. I forgot to mention. Yeah. the What the wizard taught them how to make electricity using their powers. They start doing it and, yeah. and they, they're going to help people, which is really cool. So loved it. Great,
2: great book. Really, really good.
1: Next up, Maestro number four, oh, Power and packs. I got this cover.
2: Oh, that's a good one. Oh, shit. Yeah.
1: So when we last left off, uh, Maestro was turned back into Bruce Banner and the Pantheon was trying to contain him while doom takes over Maestro's domain. Uh, the Pantheon literally in Bruce Banner form, sink him in Duranium, which is the toughest metal they have access to. And they leave a hole for him to breathe, which was their mistake in my opinion. <laughs> uh, so, um. They let it harden and Bruce Bruce has like this mental like conversation with Doc Sampson. Some of the best Hulk stuff is his interactions with Doc Sampson. So yeah. I loved seeing this. Um, where Maestro's like, fuck him, you need me. And Hulk gets so much stronger through his anger that he's able to burst out of the duranium. Yeah. He then proceeds to He he got attacking. Yeah, he got bigger. Yeah, (laughs) he uh, he kills Atlanta, and then um, then uh, I think it was Ulysses. Yeah, Ulysses fires a bunch of missiles like uh, Hulk wanted him to, and at aim, and he's like, "I fired some of them towards aim." He's like, "Where'd you fire the others?" And basically fired them here, and so they bombed their own place, and they're all dead now. And then Thor maestro comes out and it sees by himself and then a wolf runs up and he goes hey there and scratches its head <laughs> and uh yeah to be concluded so
2: yeah. no this definitely i think uh I for sure confirmed uh the whole um uh, peter d was able to do this or tell this other bit of extra story uh, i think because of uh immortal hulk like when they when they said that bit like it doesn't work that way if we if we chopped up it into six different pieces Our theory is that we'd get uh, six little uh, mini hulks, and that's pretty (laughs) much what's been going on with the mortal hulk. It's just like he just can't fucking die. So he got shot in the heart, in the chest twice, and one in the brain, and he still came back from that just because he was angry. (laughs)
1: Uh, Of course, creative team written by Peter David, as we just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Art by Javier Pina, Jermone Perotta, and coloring by Jesus Aburtov, lettering with Travis Lanham. So. Moving on, because we have a stack of Marvel, guys, so yeah. we get to the first we can. Uh, next up, let's talk about Daredevil. Oh, okay. Daredevil 29. Uh, I picked this over Thor first because more happens than Thor. We'll get to that. Uh, written by Chip Zdarsky. Drawn by Marco Cicchetto. Colorist is Marcio Meniz. Lettering by Clayton Cowles. So we're continuing that follow-up of ex- Right After King in Black. Um, and again, this is a book of three characters. It's Electra, it's Daredevil, it's Kingpin. And um, Electra, for her part, the young girl that she saved during King of Black, she's now training her how to fight. And Electra goes out as Daredevil again, and <laughs> she she kind of does things her own way. Man, God,
2: so badass. How quick is she?
1: <laughs> she basically is like, you're getting protection money to the to the to the bad guys. And it's like, all right, well, I'm asking for protection money so you don't <laughs> want me to shut down your shit, basically. She wants thirty thousand and she takes the money they do have. I'm like, ooh, that's interesting because it's like not quite heroic, you know, <laughs> like so I love it.
2: Here's what um, happens. She gets yeah. shot at and with her super cool now Billy Club size. Instead of deflecting, fuck no, she literally bats the bullet back to the dude's leg.
1: <laughs> yeah. that's great. Meanwhile, Matt is in jail as Daredevil and he's been poisoned. Mm. And he goes outside and he he's basically about to get jumped by a bunch of inmates and he starts meditating. And I really like it because I was like, Oh, so he's meditating to give himself a chance to defeat the poison. But I really, really love this story. I'm not gonna read it entirely because it's like a whole page. Yeah. But basically it's uh something Foggy taught him where they were in, in college and they're going home from the bars and two drunk guys are like ready to like get into a fight with them and Foggy just starts dancing. <laughs> and then they're like so like what that guy's crazy and they just leave him alone. And Foggy's line is, You can't punch a dancing man and I'm like <laughs> it's so good so basically he's meditating and they're all so confused it gives him time to kind of process the poison a bit so yeah he gets into the fight um we learn a lot of stuff because i actually didn't read i, I don't remember this from the daredevil uh annual i guess but i didn't realize that um that we're looking at kingfin's son i guess i forgot that
2: part butchie i, I mean um, it definitely got shattered over by the whole matt murdock bit
1: yeah. Yeah. I was more concerned about Mike, Mike Murdoch. You know? yeah. 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 So I think it's cool that Mike Murdoch and the Kingpin son are like in cahoots. That's a yeah. really cool like twist. So, and he, I mean, I can see it. It makes sense. So, um, so that's what's going on with them. And then of course with Kingpin, um, we find out that he oh. has, we, he has bullseye and <laughs> he, he's, uh, they ask is he in good health he is mentally though (laughs) Uh, and they're like well you know um and then he's like basically i finally have a bullseye i can control yeah Uh, so that checks in there and then we go back to matt and the fight he takes everybody out except the last guy who pulls a shiv and stabs matt and matt starts bleeding out and he says uh before i pass out i hear the warden on the phone looking down at me He's relaxed. He's assured. He says, it's done. Daredevil's dead.
2: <laughs> God. As he's literally bleeding out from the middle. It's like, God, with bodies around him. <sighs> yeah. This fucking issue, dude. Like, Elektra, again, just looks super awesome in that suit. Scarf wrapped around her like, her mouth just to cover it. Damn, she's just badass. Um, yeah, Matt just killing it in prison. Just <laughs> I like, it's just like, I need to be excused. <laughs> 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 uh no like, like god damn it like chip is just doing just great phenomenal work and i was like looking at because they kept referencing uh, uh the editors that was like oh back in uh 20 back in your double 20 and i was like damn how long has this been going on again i thought we were like in mid 20s like holy shit it's been nine issues like we've had 29 issues of chips shit it's awesome it's
1: great that takes us to Thor number 14, written by Donnie Cates, drawn by Nick Klein, colored by Matt Wilson, and letter by Joe Sabino. So, this is I saved this for after Darryl because we have the finale to pray. Yeah, holy shit, dude, <coughs> like this, this, this hit a lot of boxes for me. So, yeah. <laughs> quick, quick recap: Donald Blank is insane. Um, he has a bunch of of Odin power and Thor power, he trapped Thor. Started destroying the World Tree, but the World Tree's power dripped down into Thor, and Thor is powered by it. Thor is able to come back in the Destroyer armor. So that catches us up. Alright, so him and Thor just have a knockdown drag-out brawl, including this amazing double dude, I'm there right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just wonderful. So they have this fight, and the Destroyer just, like, tries to beat the shit out of him, and um, at one point, Odin is, Odin tries to interfere. He's like, to me, Mjolnir. And then... Nay. Better Bill, being the fucking <laughs> man, snatches it. He's like, nah, you have your weapon. And I believe I am owed one of my own. As he so transforms. This, <laughs> this explains why he is in horse form yeah. for his own series. Mm-hmm. Because he was in normal form, and then suddenly he was stuck in horse form without, without Stormbreaker. So it was because he was able to transfer with Mjolnir. So... And then so he jumps into the fray and he's helping out and, um, I like that it kind of like restores their friendship a little bit there, just a bit because <laughs> it was it was strained obviously. So, um, and then Odin is like, "I'll make this decision," blah 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 blah. And Thor's like, "Like fuck, you will! I'm the, I'm I'm the king now, basically." Like, like no. And and Thor comes back in his own body out of the out of the destroyer armor. So dope. Like, I'm, the, so... I'm the one that makes these decisions. I know. And he's just like. <laughs> He's like, you're my brother. Like, Donald Blake is his brother just as much as Loki, you know? And um, he kicks Odin out. He's like, I trust you know your way out, which is great. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And he's like, why would you spare me? He's like, because you're my brother. He's like, so no, Donald, I will not kill you. But then again, I've never been above hurting my brothers when they fall out of line. He's like, wait, no. And then he basically, Whoa. he just knocks him on his ass. And he's like, Loki. He basically asks Loki, what should I do with Donald Blake? Yeah. And I love Loki's line. He did not ask to be born into this family, which is exactly Loki as well. You know, <laughs> like, so he's like, I will handle this. He's like, what will you do? He's like, you asked me to lie for you once. Tell me, do you want me to lie to you now? <laughs> and then it cuts. And then, oh, the Norse mythology nerd in me is fucking tripping at this. Point. Dude. <laughs> um, so for those who don't know in Norse mythology, Loki is punished in a very Greek mythology kind of way by being chained to a rock and a venomous snake drips poison into his eyes for eternity in Norse mythology. Yeah. So Donald Blake wakes up and he's chained to a rock and he's like, where am I? He's like, and look, he's like, look around you, you're home. And he's chained to a rock and there's a massive snake above him. And Loki's like, you wanted to be real to be a God. And so you shall have it. I renounce my title. <laughs> it is yours. Now congratulations, Donald. You now sit on the throne of the God of lies and the, the snake starts dripping poison into his eye. eye, And he goes, ever show you rain. Dude. (laughs) And um, it's great because of, and again, we go back to it, that Loki series.
2: Yes. It was like the, the, the God of stories where you wanted to change it up. Like, yes. Like, dude, like that series needs to get revived.
1: I know. I need to know what would have happened. Yeah. So wonderful. Wonderful. That's the wrap up of that arc i cannot wait to see what's next so good <laughs> that brings us to and i saved this one late because mm-hmm. is the final one of the king in black namor let's five. just say it's
2: the final one to namor this one like this one in particular didn't really have anything to do with the king in black
1: kind of um basically we I, i'm not going to spend too much time on this one as well but uh written by kurt music drawn by benjamin dewey with Jonas scarf doing the other art uh Triona Farrell doing the coloring and Joe Carbonga doing the lettering. Um basically it goes back to the Black Tide and how they're able to actually, you know, contain the Black Tide. Mm-hmm. Once they're heroes, now they're trying to destroy Atlantis and they're able to contain it. And so the whole the whole setup of this arc is they had to let two of the Black Tide out to help fight Null, basically. Yeah. And now they can't get them back. And I think that's setting up like the future. What's going to happen in Namor's, you know, oh, man, Namor's I, arc, wherever that might be, whatever book that might be.
2: I know. I hope so. They've been like promising like these new one shots at the end of each book, and it's just like, well, "Are we going to get one?" It's like, I, I mean, I hope so, though. Yeah, because this so, dude's no, really cool. The, the the sleeves, the scaly sleeves. I'm fucking all about it.
1: Yeah, it's great. So yeah, I'm really curious to see where this is going to go mm-hmm. and uh, what form this will take. I love Namor. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I can't wait to see it. So didn't want to spend too much time on it. I also got this cover. Oh,
2: for sure, it has to. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, so uh, yeah, excellent. Finally, our X Men books. Yes. We're almost done. We promise. Wolverine number eleven. Ooh, okay. So, uh, as always, we start with the creative team. My pages will turn properly. There we go. Written by Benjamin Percy, pencil by Scott Eaton, inked by J P Meyer, colored by Matthew Wilson, and lettered by Corey Petit. Um, so when we left off, Wolverine was dealing with the vampire nation and Omega red. They sent Omega red in as a kind of a sleeper agent to Kirkoa. Um, and Kirkoa's is not stupid. <laughs> so they're like, Oh, he's a sleeper agent. Well, we're going to replace his little like headpiece with one we can track and stuff like that. So, and they let him go and Wolverine, we get, we get some great pages of Wolverine, just hunting down different vampire, uh, settlements, burning them all and stuff. And um, then we get Omega Red, thinking he's clever, and escapes Krakoa while they're tracking him the entire time. <laughs> and um, he goes all the way back to Dracula, and he basically is like, I, you know, they're working on a deal between him and Dracula, and the whole thing revolves around the fact that Logan's blood can basically have the let them be daywalkers, right? And and uh, so he meets up." with uh with louise who is a um who is like a badass uh she was a vampire hunter i can't remember the name of their group i don't remember if it mentions it in here the night guard the night guard um but they were vampire hunters and uh in the end she's basically like they got betrayed and they got attacked by vampires and not everybody made it out alive well we then find out that she was infected by the vampire curse She explains she hasn't fully turned yet. She's been using garlic and holy water to keep her keep it out. But basically, it's inevitable. And uh, yeah, and then we also find like some they're basically trying to synthesize Wolverine's blood to give to all vampires everywhere, which is terrifying. So and then. um, Yeah, it's it's just really interesting. And we do see at the end, Wolverine is letting Louise drink some of his blood. I'm guessing so they can do a nighttime assault without her, without her being hurt, you know. So I mean, daytime, daytime, daytime yeah, one, daytime. yeah. So, so yeah, it's just been really interesting. I'm curious to see where it's going. It is, I think this is the penultimate issue of the arc. Okay, so we'll see where it goes from here. But yeah, um, I'm digging it so I,
2: far. I like the part where, like, when the the mosquito um, gets on Logan and then he, he mm-hmm. swats at it and starts just, just sprays everyone. It's, it's just splat on his arm. But then it starts slowly coming back together because he just drank Logan's blood, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, tough one.
1: Uh, And then our last book is Children of the Atom number two. Written by Vita Ayala, drawn by Bernard Chang, colored by Marcelo Maiolo, and lettered by Travis Lanham. So, we have the continuing adventures of Cherub, Marvel Guy, Cyclops Last Gimmick, and Daycrawler. (laughs) Uh, Or, I should say, Nightcrawler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So... Uh obviously uh this is the one about the, the young children who are emulating the X Men. Uh one thing I really like is this issue actually focuses on Cherub. Mm-hmm. So it's like I kinda of, we we did the first issue, I'm like, I really like Cyclops last, but it's kinda of told from everything. Yeah, time. yeah. It looks like we're gonna get one for each. So I really enjoy that. Uh and I really grew to really like Cherub in this too. Um I like he was actually one of the ones I actually said I would like a lot more of for, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, so I was glad to have him. Uh, they go to a Dazzler concert, and I saw <laughs> that concert <laughs> poster, and I'm like, "Hosway wants that right. I need mean it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then they end up going to fight the Hells Bells again. And yeah, basically, long story short, the Hells Bells are given a chance to go to Krakoa for immunity. They do so. Yeah. Storm's like, hey, we can't force you to go to Krakoa, but here's a communicator in case you need to reach out. And we see them again standing in front of a portal, saying, "Here we go again." Josue, I don't think they're mutants. I'm, I'm confirming my theory. Nah, now me. you're, now sure. you're leaning
2: on not being mutants. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, me too. Right? That's what they went through the first time, and that's why, they, that's why we're not seeing it at the end of this one too. Oh, it's gonna break my heart. But honestly, it's just like. Like, who better to, to tell this story than Nazi Vida Ayala to just, like, to actually go around all the characters and almost, in, in a way, speak for them. Like, why not give it to somebody who's a non-binary uh, person of color? Like, fuck yes. It's just somebody who's just gonna get all of the right notes. Because, like, you're right. Like, I fucking love all of Cherub's, like, inner monologue in this one. I'll call it, like, this is what this is what uh, expected of me but there's these these group of cats that just don't fucking like look at that and they just see me for for who i am and almost like don't expect i expect something completely else and it's just like who i want to be i fucking love this book so much
1: yeah my theory is yeah they're either not mutants or what if they are sinister chimeras because we I mean, know that Sinister started making Chimera Mutants.
2: It's like we still do not even, like, this, like you know, two inches in, we still haven't even um, elaborated on the powers or the mutant gene or whatever gadgets they're using. We still don't know that important factor. Um, so yeah. It's just hard to, it's hard, it's hard to tell, but damn it, am I just not falling in love with each and every single one of them.
1: I know. It's great. I'm really, <laughs> really enjoying it. I still think Cyclops Last is my favorite uh, because... I just have such a respect for Cyclops now, even though he's always been the boring X-Men to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Um astonishing X-Men forward, he's one of the best X-Men. <laughs> like, so I love Cyclops last. I like the rever- uh, reverence when Thor- uh, when Storm gives her the communicator. Oh, my God, yeah. The way she holds it is just like, oh, my God. Like, she's fangirling. like, yeah. really, like But respectfully, Like I really
2: enjoyed that. So,
1: yeah, what a great book, man. I'm really enjoying it. No, me too.
2: Yeah. But uh, I was like, where are all the answers? I need it. <laughs> yeah well
1: it's weird we're not getting any of the mainline x-men books this week you know mm-hmm. like just wolverine and children of the atom which is cool but man i I'm, i want to know what's going on guys
2: uh, <laughs> next week up. will be heavy uh, sword way of x and x-force Oh, way of x i'm
1: so excited so
2: awesome all right guys
1: that's everything we got this week um as always you can check us out at whi podcast on twitter you can check me out at whi podcast keith Liz at WHI Podcast. Liz Hostway at Hostway Reads. Hostway. Check out our sister show at Jukebox Vertigo that comes out on Monday evenings, uh, where we build every other Monday evening, I should say, where we build an ongoing playlist using different themes with all of our best friends with their varied taste in music, whether good or bad. Um, and also, you can check us out at Geek Elite Media, both on Twitter and at GeekEliteMedia.com. dot com. Check out all the other shows, including the interview we did. Uh, where Mitch actually interviewed us. It is up. It came up like about a week ago, and it was a lot of fun. And check out all the other interviews we've been doing. We've been interviewing a lot of comic professionals. We have a couple more scheduled. Um, really excited to share those with you guys. We, uh, we're we getting back in the swing of interviews, and uh, it's a lot of fun, but uh, it's a lot of research. So we're we're going to do our best yeah. to interview as many people as we can. So, uh, But yeah, uh, that's it for me. Wait, you got anything you want to close with? No, I'm good. Keep reading comics. Yeah, Definitely. Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. and don't forget to always geek out.
0: This concludes our broadcast. Beep.